Holy smokes, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to see you all. Hope you're doing well. I uh, hope I'm coming through loud and clear. Had some technical issues here today, and we actually are continuing to have some issues uh, throughout the day today because uh, both our websites are down, and we're uh, still investigating. I learned about that, uh, what, a couple of hours before we came on here. And so we're looking into why, but it doesn't look to be some major uh, issue. It remains to be seen, but both Red Ice TV and RedIceMembers.com, as of right now, is uh, down. So we're looking into that. Uh, we're contacting the right uh, parties and things like that. We have a, uh, a very cool and uh, generous guy who's helping us looking into things as well. Uh, I'm a little boomerish on some of the ser deeper server kind of issues. Know some HTML. You know, know how to do some stuff, obviously. You know, uh, set up the website myself back in 2003. I think we started. Yeah, 2003. Uh, and the radio show 2006, so the you know the media aspects I'm very savvy on, but some of the server stuff is just kind of kind of beyond me to be honest. But uh, we'll see uh, what we can find out. So we uploaded uh, the Weekend Warrior show. Uh, I think it was actually a little bit later Monday uh, evening because of some of the editing and things like that. Some a couple of things came in the way Sunday, late Sunday evening. Uh, and uh, as far as I know, Tuesday it was available, and then early Wednesday morning uh, local time here it went down, and then I found out maybe six or so hours later after that point. Uh, so we're looking into that. Hopefully everything is is all right, but it looks like the websites in of themselves are intact. So I don't think there's a hacking thing. Uh, it could just be something on the back end on the host provider or something like that. We'll see. Uh, we'll keep you guys posted. But at always, as always, of course, uh, you can find us through um, all the all the popular places, right? DLive, we're on Trovo. You can check us out on VK. Uh, not the big gay websites such as uh, YouTube or Facebook, though. Uh, we are now on Twitter, believe it or not. Uh, you can watch the stream there. Uh, and, of course, you can also watch on Float. Oh, we're going out anywhere else. Usually, of course, we do broadcast to the websites as well. But uh, uh, today, then, no point imagining that you can watch a live stream through redice.tv or redicemembers.com uh, because they're down. But we hope to have that resolved here shortly. So I do apologize for any uh, inconveniences in terms of, um, you know, you guys are our members, especially and things like that. So we're looking into it, try to solve it uh, as soon as possible. So thank you for your patience uh, on that too, by the way. Uh, all right. So lots to uh, talk about here today. I was aggregating some news uh, yesterday into today. And also, oh, by the way, I should mention, uh, I had a plan of having on Faust uh, from uh, the Netherlands regarding the election and some other kind of European nationalist issues. Plan to have, was going to have an on yesterday and everything got so um, you know congested in terms of the the time effort with finishing the member show and th stuff like that. So we decided to postpone it to Thursday instead. Uh, I think that's better. It will give me a little bit more time to prep uh, t tonight and earlier tomorrow and stuff like that too. So uh, that will be 11 a.m. Pacific time. What is that? Two uh, Eastern, two a.m. two p.m. Uh, Eastern time, and that is uh, what is that? Eight o'clock Central European time. So you can tune in that. I think we'll do it live. I, I, I think so. Well, uh, unless unless there's continued issues and and uh, and so forth, and I'm I'm glancing over my shoulder here to make sure that there's no uh, issues with the stream. It's been just a slew of uh, technical issues here. I guess uh, where are we in? Uh, are we in the are we in Mercury in retrograde here? Is that what's going on? All right. Uh, okay. Um, so that's happening uh, on Thursday, and then of course, as usual, Friday we'll be back with uh, with the flashback uh, flashback Friday. All right, cool stuff. You want to join in here today? And uh, where are we today, by the way? We're uh, March 31st. That's right, April Fool's Day coming up tomorrow, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The day we can never kind of determine. I think it's Valpurgis today, isn't it, too? Yeah, the, it is, actually. Uh, so happy Valpurgis to everyone. Uh, Valborg has a saying. Uh, for, for those of you who are celebrating that, 
and then of course May one. No, wait, it's April last. That's right. I'm I'm being boomerish here now. Uh, that's right. No, no, it's last of April, duh, uh, because it always uh, it always neighbors, as you could say, I guess May, May one, which is the uh, you know the Kami uh, holiday. So I'm uh, totally wrong on that. Valpurgis is actually at the end of April. All right. Anyway. Um, if you do want to join in here today so through some super chats, entrepreneurstream.live forward slash red eyes TV should be up and uh, running. Let me uh, throw a, a, an eye on that. Yes, it should be. Uh, that's a get, uh, great way. And then another way, of course, is uh, for now through uh, the lemon uh, chat over on uh, DLive, DLive.tv forward slash red eyes TV. Uh, I see a couple of chats over there, so I'll take those in a moment. Thank you to everybody uh, joining us there. I do appreciate it. Uh, so lots to talk about today, guys. A lot of things to go through. Uh, I want to focus a little bit later in the show on kind of some of the post-human stuff that's beginning to be unveiled or unraveled right now, uh, especially with this mRNA software, software update. Uh, we're kind of entering into a completely brave new world here where you have millions of people uh, that have lined up uh, to start uh, changing uh, the human phenotype on a mass scale, which is, of course, a terrifying experiment uh, and also terrifying in terms of the willingness to just go along with this so easily. It's it's remarkable, really, when you when you uh, put it in perspective. Uh, we were told it's okay, and so people think it's okay. That, that there we go. Uh, okay. So we're, uh, yeah, let's just, let's do a couple of these here on DLive real quick, and then we'll uh, proceed and dive into some of the topics. See one of them up on screen here already. We're going to talk about YouTube real quick there. Uh, I guess we can uh, we can show this in the meantime. Uh, all right. So uh, Lord Aragon, thank you, sir. He's here with the diamonds. As this is my hundredth diamond, Henrik. Well, congratulations for uh, for that, and thank you for uh, sending it our way. We do appreciate it. Uh, VPFM is hosting as well. Thank you so much, um, Eunice and, and Tina. Appreciate it. VPFM here on DLive.tv. Um, hopefully, you guys are re uh, re diamondized as well. I'm not sure. Uh, Saucifer with a ninja guinea. Thank you. Say so we will never submit. Indeed, sir. Thank you so much, Brad C with a diamond. Uh, no message. Uh, what else do we have? Brad C another diamond. Thank you, Mr. Wright. Uh, shoots off a bunch of uh, diamonds and ice creams and stuff, and he sends one, uh, two, three, four uh, diamonds. Thank you for that, Mr. Wright. Appreciate it. Uh, Brad C with another diamond. Thank you. And Mr. Wright with a ninja guinea says, okay, one and a half eye open. You can start now, LOL. Yeah, it's, it's a late late over on the European continent. I do appreciate you tuning in live, though. Uh, thank you so much. You can always watch it in replay, of course, uh, on uh, our, well, not today on our website, but uh, later on on our website when it's up. But uh, Odyssey and uh, then, of course, on uh, uh, BitChute and some of the other places as well. Yeah, I'm seeing my... Uh, my template is a bit sluggish. My computer has been awful today, so hopefully it won't have uh, tons of issues. Let me just go over to the screen right here. Uh, hopefully we can uh, we can make it here today. Okay, um, so let me uh, see if there's any other here. Uh, Brad C with the diamond and Young Death with the diamond as well. The 14 words. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Brum, Brummy, Brummy Baron with a Ninja Guinea. Thank you. No message. Brad C with the diamond. Flying Dutchman with a Ninja Guinea. Appreciate the Ninja Guineas, guys. Very, very kind of you. Thank you so much. Uh, Wildcat Groiper with a diamond. Here's my, la uh, here's the last of my lemons. Damn D Live to hell. Well, thank you for sending it our way. I appreciate that. I know there's uh, a lot of you that don't want to uh, support D Live, and, uh, and of course, and I totally understand. Don't get me wrong. I totally understand, but we do appreciate them uh, re lemonizing us because uh, uh, it does, it does help. Every every little bit helps. So thank you. Uh, okay, where are we? Wildcat Gro Groiper with another diamond. Pseudonym one with the diamond. Hello, my friends. Hello to you. Uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us. All right. So yeah. So as you can see up on um, uh, screen right here, YouTube is now hiding dislike 
counts uh, on videos. And of course, this is to prevent the uh, getting uh, ratioed. Not a big surprise, obviously, but uh, it's amazing that they in in, in the timing uh, that they do it off. They the tweet here. Uh, let me see. We pull that up on Twitter here. Said in response to creator feedback around well-being and targeted dislike campaigns. So that 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 actually became a thing, uh, ladies and gents. I think uh, I think some of you have uh, participated in uh, one or two of those over the years. Uh, we appreciate uh, your service. We're testing a new designs, a few new designs that don't show the public disc dislike counts. If you're part of this small experiment, you might spot one of these designs in the coming weeks. Examples below. So here it is. Um, I think I've seen this on some already. You can click, or maybe it's another social media. I forget. Uh, you can click the dislike or down button. It just and it just doesn't show or doesn't reflect anything, right? Uh, anyway, says your creators, you'll still be able to see the exact number of likes and dislikes in your YouTube studio for view. Oh, so it still, so it still serves to do it, right? Don't get me wrong. Don't don't give up just because it's not public, right? Um, for viewers, if you're in the experiment, you can still like or dislike a video to share feedback with creators and help tune the recommendations uh, you see on YouTube. Uh, so this is, of course, uh, not only but. Some of the reasons why they did this is, of course, uh, the terrible ratios on uh, the White House's videos, <laughs> which were continued to be downvoted and things like that. And it's kind of a general trend to see where, uh, you know, what the Internet audience at least kind of uh, likes or, or don't like when it comes to uh, things online and on YouTube. Um, so this is back from January. So it's did YouTube remove dislikes from a video posted by Biden, uh, by Biden White House? And of course, it turns out that they did. This is a fact check, right? A fact checking website, PolitiFact. Uh, and they did. They did remove what they call spam dislikes, which is like, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, if you if you if you rally people to support your video and get them to go and vote, is, is that is that spam? I, I don't think they the argument tried to say that it's bots, right? But just they oh they just dislike just because they're. They're, they're, they're evil racists or, or whatever, right? YouTube's policies allow the company to remove likes or dislikes that have been marked invalid by its system. Um, so this has continued. It was uh, horribly um, uh, horrible ratios for the White House uh, YouTube channel. So I'm sure it has everything uh, to do with with that. But, uh, you know, as I would say, F YouTube, uh, YouTube can, uh, can suck it. Uh, we don't need them. We shouldn't be on their platform. Get out of there real quick. All right, real quick too on this here. It's kind of an important story, uh, especially for us who are looking at alternative platforms and technologies. Uh, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission in the United States, have now gone after Library Incorporated, which is, of course, the uh, uh, library token and those who are running the platform Odyssey. And basically, considering the timing, I can't really see anything else, but this is a, a concerted effort to try to uh, bring down a company that potentially might be able to offer uh, very solid censorship-free um, uh, censorship-free product. Uh, it's more in the crypto space as well, of course, which always makes these people nervous, we've learned. And so now they're suing them uh, for, I guess, not jumping through all the uh, the hoops and things like that. Uh, the SEC seeking what they call here permanent injunction relief, disgorgement plus prejudgment interest and civil penalties. Uh, there's a link here in my tweet to the litigation which is always like just uh, I, I couldn't even imagine operating in with this the, the legalese level and all the, the the language just bullshit that they have. 
But I'm sure they have people there at the library who uh, who know this, and apparently they've been doing this for uh, this case for some while, for some time. But it's interesting that when they were wheeling out their live streaming service, <clears throat> oh, entropy stream is down. Sorry, I so just saw it in chat from Mr. Ninjaberg. Did it go down? It's been one of those days today. Let me uh, reboot here. Sometimes when you start it too early, I think I've said that before. Um, thank you for letting me, letting me know too, by the way. Uh, yes, it is down. Okay, str strange. Okay, thank you, Mr. Ninjaberg. I appreciate that. Uh, let me start that up real quick here. Uh, yeah, so sometimes when you start Entropy kind of too too early, like before you go live, although I've seen some people have it on, like they have a, I don't even know how they do that. They have like an embedded video in there and they just have it on all the time. Uh, maybe there's a setting or something, but uh, there we go. Thank you, Mr. Ninjaberg. I appreciate that. Just have to uh, glance over at the chat real quick there. Uh, okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, we'll take these in a moment. I saw a couple of things right there. Uh, all right, let me see. Let me let me backtrack here. Yeah, so library, uh, back on track, uh, is being targeted. They set up a website for this too called Help Library Save Crypto. And apparently, so there could be other cryptocurrencies roped up into this as well, depending on if the SSEs judge that li the library token uh, is in fact a securities. Is it securities or security? Securities? Um instead of i guess a what is the other one chat the securities or what was the other one the uh is uh, an asset i guess or what was the other uh there's a couple a couple of classifications right um help library save crypto so we're gonna try to see if we can bring on uh kaufman who's behind uh library and odyssey to see if they want to come on and talk about this case because it's of course fascinating with the timing and everything this so this is what they said i'm going to read an email here that we received from library that gives you kind of an overview of, of what it is that's you know kind of happening here and how or why they've been tar targeted right and so they say so, uh, like this we are reaching out to you today as part of our continued commitment to transparency today the sec filed a complaint against library incorporated the creator of the library blockchain and the video sharing platform odyssey Alleging the sale of library credits by Library Incorporated constitutes unregistered security offerings. First and foremost, it is important to know that this complaint is not aimed at you, your, uh, your library credits or the content that you create, but rather the status and sale of library credits by Library Incorporated. The SEC's complaints seek to stifle innovation, accessibility and creative inspired and creativity inspired by blockchain companies like Library Incorporated, the complaint also fails to acknowledge the concerted steps taken by Library to comply with the law and to conduct its business in a forthcoming and transparent way. Library not only complied with the SSE's investigation over the past three years, right? So this has been ongoing for three years. And so now they decide to act on this, right? Well, right when live streaming is, is getting ready to be out there and all that stuff, right? Uh, we have produced thousands of documents, provided our executives for testimony, and devoted several thousands of hours for team member time or yeah, of team member time to deal with this case. A heavy burden to bear for any startup. As we will show in our legal defense, the library token is not a security but a commodity. That's right, commodity. Thank you. Commodity. Library never engaged in an initial coin offering, an ICO, which is based on kind of the IPO, right? The initial public offering uh, system that the uh, stock market have. 
They have, uh, and he says, and they say, and we've never conducted a securities offering. Nonetheless, library has sought to comply with know your customer and anti-money laundering principles, despite the fact that the library token is not a security. Unfortunately, under the harsh and impractical standards asserted by the SEC in its complaint, library credits and many other blockchain tokens would also be deemed securities, leaving uncertainty and confusion in the industry. Not good. Library has operated in good faith, and in a highly transparent manner across its operations, we have made extensive efforts to comply with the law despite the absence of clear guidelines by the SEC for this industry. Of course, this is always the case, right? Muddy the water, water, make it really complicated, and you have to have like whole teams of lawyers to figure out and decode basically to be able to do something like this. Library has worked with legal counsels, as it continues here, to ensure our policies maximize safety for the, for, uh, for the members of our community, including developing the library network and apps and continually engaged with the library cutoff there for me, but I, I, I think it's the library blockchain it ends with. So uh, <clears throat> bad, bad stuff, but please, can you share, share the story um, on social media and stuff like that? Get the word out. These guys need uh, our help. Uh, let me put it in the restream chat. Hopefully he can post. Does he post to both? Not to DLI. I posted Trovo, though. Let me see if I can post it in DLI real quick there, too. Uh, yeah, it's help save... Um, Help library, help L-B-R-Y, savecrypto.com. That's the uh, the website. There's a petition there you can sign to. I was going to do that. I haven't had time to do it yet. Um, they have a newsletter if you want to sign up for that. And there's a couple of ways to contact them as well if you have uh, help or tips or anything like that in terms of uh, how they're being uh, targeted, basically. So uh, bad news, really bad news, and hopefully things go well. We'll keep an eye on this, and of course, keep you guys updated uh, on what this is. But uh, library is, seems like a very uh, promising uh, both technology, but also, you know, kind of just the way that they're handling things. It's not going to be, don't be fooled and think it's going to be an uncensorable uh, website. Because again, I mean, obviously, they still have to comply with with laws and things like that in countries. Or they, or they can have uh, their website seized. Uh, that would imply you could just upload all your Hollywood movies or something, whatever, cracked, uh, you know, things or, or uh, ripped movies. And if they didn't delete that stuff, I would assume that they would be targeted for that, right? Uh, even though it's you know distributed, I don't think they can argue that. Uh, so they will have to do that. Thank you, Mr. Ninjaberg, for sharing that on DLive too. Uh, appreciate it. Help say uh, help library save uh, crypto.com. All right, uh, let me do a couple of these real real quick here. Um, Lycan Warrior over on Entropy Seems just in Lowdon, Lowdon is it Virginia? Any parents who oppose critical race theory will be silenced. I saw this. Was it the? Um... Oh wait, this is another one. Let me see here real quick, Lycan. I was like, I had a story a little bit later of a guy. Okay, this is another one. Uh, it was also a Daily Wire source. Uh, they were going after someone who I guess on the they. It's kind of interesting, right? There was, it's the it's a leftist Marxist professor that is f forcing one of his students to recognize the reality of race. <laughs> it's just like it's funny how this has gone full story. The the kind of what I would assume is kind of a more a conservative guy's like I don't see race, you know. It's like I don't you know pay attention. It doesn't matter, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but as we've learned, that's wrong now, right? And of course, that's done from the Marxist perspective, because they want to make sure that this, the, whole, the whole apparatus is, is noticing race so that, you know, they can turn on white people. But that, interestingly enough, also opens another door there, which is basically to people having a white identity and being, you know, uh, uh, shown the door uh, to, to that world uh, by their Marxist professors. But anyway, uh, this is a different one here. An aftermath of enemies list. Uh, 
In aftermath of enemies list, school committee pledges to silence the opposition. Amidst furor over equity policies, Minority Student Achievement Advisory Council says we can and will silence the opposition. Uh, it's by Luke Rossiak. He's done some good stuff. I have to look into this later. I think it's a continuation on that one, though, because I believe the other one happened in Luden County as well in Virginia, if I remember correctly. Um, a quasi-official, let me read this real quick here. Quasi-official body tied to the Luden County, Virginia Public School on Friday pledged to silence the opposition, apparently referring to parents who questioned the school's uh, adoption, adoption uh, of controversial race ideo racial ideologies as officials seem to double down after revelations of a list, the stated purpose of which was to infiltrate, hack, and expose such parents. Holy shit. The LCPS, Minority Student Achievement Advisory Council, wrote on Twitter and Facebook, there is strength in numbers, and we believe wholeheartedly that united we can, we can and will silence the opposition. We ask that you please support our call to action by engaging these five small but impactful actions to help us in our mission of advancing equity through action. We know what equity means, by the way. Uh, but anyway, thank you for that. Uh, I'll go through that in more detail later. Uh, like, it seems interesting. I think it might be, uh, could be wrong, but it could be kind of a continuation uh, on the other story that uh, I was potentially going to talk about later. Um, okay, let me uh, check the other entropy here real quick. Unless those were, uh, I guess, uh, private. Uh, Amir Connor sent one, I think. Let me see here. Du, 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 when was this from? Conrad Curse. Is this from today? Um, dropping by to give what I can. I learned a valuable lesson today never to reason with a shrieking bag lady about common sense issues. They are far too gone. Yeah, you got to pick, uh, pick your battles. Um, time is short. Life is precious. A lot of things to do. A lot of things you have to work on. Don't spend your time on just lost causes and, and things that doesn't matter. Uh, there's got to be a crack in the wall. It's got to be someone willing to opening the door or there's a crack in the window, something that encourages those around you that you care to kind of awaken to certain things. Uh, they have to have an interest in wanting to know or wanting to find out. Otherwise, uh, I'm not saying everyone is a lost cause, but you will end up spending uh, hundreds of hours of people that at the end of it might just fall right back into the trap anyway, even if you manage to, uh, to get them to open their eyes. Um, Thank you, Conrad. I appreciate that. Let me see here. Let me scroll up a bit on DLive real quick. Uh, pseudonym, we did that one. Uh, Vile Radio is hosting. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Vile.radio here on DLive. Uh, Cockney Nutjob with a diamond. Thank you for that. Stanley Stinks with a diamond. Liberal Whites are a cancer. Uh, well, there you go. I wouldn't uh, wouldn't disagree with that. White Rabbit Radio is hosting as well. Thank you, Tim. Uh, always good to see you. Hope you're, hope you're doing well. Okay. So... Let me uh, close a couple of the library things here. Where were we? Oh, this quick mention on this, too. There's a lot to talk about here today. Uh, Christian Baker Jack Phillips is back in court for rebuffing, or sorry, refubbing, rebuffing, re refubbing gender transition cake. You remember this guy? He was in court for like, what is it, eight years or something ridiculous? I believe this case started in 2012. Uh, took forever for him. It was the, it was the, the ba bake the, the gay cake, right? Which is a fascinating case overall, because it's the, a bank, or a, a, in our case, then let's say a credit card processor or a clearinghouse or something, uh, can discriminate against us, basically just because they don't they don't they don't feel like it, right? I mean, it, 
yes, we understand that it's political. Yes, we understand that they're motivated in that way. Uh, but as a technicality, we can say that it's because we identify as, uh, uh, you know, uh, Native European spirituality or something, or as we, we so we we think we're um, we're uh, Native Europeans and we're being discriminated against on that basis, right? How how do you even draw the line if someone is black and shows up and they won't serve you somewhere? Then they say, well, it's because I'm black. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's because of something you said. Is is that okay then to discriminate or an opinion they have? I I, I wouldn't assume so, right? So again, it's only as white people you can legally legally do this and get away with it. If we were non-white and this were happening to us, I'm sure we could enter into some kind of government assistance program and sue these companies for basically discriminating against us for being non-white, right? But so he has to bake. He was forced to bake the cake, and then, but but, and so that was right. Or well, actually, this case, I think the verse two, right? In one case. I know that in one case, and, and depending on where, you know, what level it stopped at, I think this case, this specific case went to the Supreme Court, and then it finally they said you, you don't have to or whatever. But at an earlier state, stage in the case, uh, I think it was the, the state's Supreme Court that it was in, and I could be wrong on this, on the details on this, but I believe that then they said, oh, you have to, you basically you have to bake the cake, and then he went to the Supreme Court, and there he finally won, I guess, right? Um, but this has been brought up forever as, as one of those, like, you know, my God, these bigots—they—they—they uh, they, they won't bake the cake because he's—he's uh, he's, uh, homophobic, right? So now they're going after him again because, of course, we knew that that wouldn't last. So this was back in 2018 when he had this victory at the Supreme Court, um, and so now they're basically doing the same thing, but with a, tr a gender transition cake. Uh, so the attorney—I can read a little bit here. Um, the Christian dessert maker was back in court this week to fight a civil lawsuit over his refusal to create a cake celebrating a gender, a gender transition, a case described by his legal team as a setup aimed at ensnaring Colorado's best-known cake maker. This week, we saw a uh, what represents rather a disturbing trend, the use of the justice system to ruin people who want to live and work according to their beliefs, Mr. Phillips said in an email. In this case, a customer cake request was made to test me and correct the errors of my thinking. No one should be forced to create expressions or speak a message that violates their conscience. Um, the three-day trial in Denver District Court wrapped up Wednesday, leaving Mr. Phillips and Autumn Scardania, the Denver lawyer who sued him, to await a ruling by Judge A. Br uh, Judge a. Bruce Jones, in a case that could bring the baker back to the U.S. Supreme Court. The lawsuit represents the latest installment of a nine-year legal odyssey. Nine years. I said five years. Holy shit, nine years. That began when Mr. Phillips declined in 2012 to make a cake for a same-sex wedding, a case he won six years later at the Supreme Court. So good for him. Good that he won, right? This is where Miss Scardania comes in. June 2017, on the same day the High Court agreed to hear the case, she called the Lakewood Break Bakery and asked for a blue and pink male-to-female transition cake to celebrate her birthday. The bakery, the bakery declined. She submitted a complaint with the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, but the panel dropped the matter in March 2019 after Mr. Phillips sued the state for harassment. Three months later, Ms. Scardania, uh, Scardania filed a civil lawsuit accusing Mr. Phillips of violating the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act. During the trial... Ms. Cardania said she knew her cake request would likely be rejected, but, quote, it is, uh, it's still stunned and stung how very sh uh, short 
how very sort of debasing it is to have somebody say, no, your kind doesn't get service. To be seen as a lesser than customer, to be seen as an underserving human is very upsetting, she said, as shown on the transcript of the trial, which was held remotely. Ms. Cardania also admitted that she also asked Masterpiece for a cake depicting Satan smoking a joint, which the baker declined and sent Mr. Phillips an email in August 2012 calling him a bigot, although she said she later apologized. I want to believe that she's a good person. I want to believe that she could be sort of persuaded to the errors of his thinking, she said, or that he, as said she, right? Uh, asked by Phillips' attorney, Sean Gates, whether she was hopeful that you could correct Mr. Phillips' errors in thinking. Mr. Scardani replied, I think in part, yes. As for whether the cake request was set, uh, set up, she said, it was more of calling somebody's bluff. I mean, it's incredible, right? All right, so we'll see how that goes, uh, but potentially back in the Supreme Court. Now it's the uh, now it's the trans cake. See, this is what the... This is the money that these people have, the time that they have to ruin people who think differently. Now, the... Go one way or the other. In my case, it's it's fine, right? Consistency is the only thing we ask for. Uh, and I know this being kind of churned out, I guess, in court to a certain extent. But if he doesn't have to bake the cake, then I guess you should be able to, anybody should be able to to, to not serve anybody or, or you can kick people out for whatever reason or something, right? If he does have to bake the cake, then uh, companies that have discriminated against Red Ice and, and us and me and Lana personally, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. Right? That's the logical you know, conclusion of this, right? But again, you have to have <clears throat> the means to go to court. You have to have the means to sue these companies and stuff. And that's just that's the, the bullshit, right? Um, okay. So I wanted to, uh, this is a funny video here. Well, funny. It's actually not that funny. But <clears throat> you know how we have that, the white supremacist charges, right? Uh, of uh, the all the Asian hate crimes that we've seen. Uh, well, here's another one. Another white supremacist that's uh, violently attacking uh, an Asian man. I believe this is, has to be the uh, New York subway right here. Uh, check this out. He's uh, uh, dedicated in his uh, hate and violence here, this this gentleman. And then uh, goes on to uh, do a chokehold on the Asian guy. And he's out. And also note how nobody does anything, which is which is fascinating, right? Um, wasn't there some good Samaritan law in some of these areas? You can do something. You can step in when these white supremacists uh, go off in this way and, and attack uh, innocent Asian men uh, and women, by the way, too, because we have this uh, these other store here, and apparently there's uh, uh, police put the call out, I think, for this uh, uh, this. Uh, a black male who attacked the Asian here in the subway. Uh, but this one, you, you guys see this? It was just a couple of days ago, I think. Um, New York Police Department says 65-year-old Asian-American woman was walking to church this morning when suspect when the suspect assaulted her and said, uh, said, F you, you don't belong here. This happened in front of 360 West 43rd Street. 
around uh, 11.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Sources say the building security guard not only failed to uh, render her aid. Oh, I thought that was one of two. Where's the second one then? Okay, Sin Sifan Kim is a is a boomer on the Twitters. I guess this should be a second one. Now, also, they didn't even uh, call the nine one one. That's the that's the continuation of that uh, message. There, here's the video. If you didn't see it yet, pretty pretty brutal, pretty gruesome stuff here. Kicked in, I guess the the stomach, stomping on her. Crazy. <clears throat> Crazy shit. I think he can't... Did he come back for more? No, that was it. Look at the security guard now. Okay, and it ends there, but he ended up closing <clears throat> closing the door. It, it's amazing to me, and I remember people said that, you know, there's some countries that are worse on this front than others, uh, but I guess America is there now. You know, in the past, we've kind of used to, used to see people jumping in, helping out, especially when there's like a, a clear, you know, disadvantage on the part of the victim and stuff like that, right? Uh, but people don't want to get involved. They, they don't know what to do. They just they close the door. Um, yeah, here's a story here. No one called 9-11 or 911, I guess, uh, uh, in the New York City attack on Asian woman, cops say. Uh, so here's the uh, here's the wh another white supremacist here, lads. Go full screen here. <clears throat> The uh, the picture of a of a white supremacist, folks. Remember, there was a march in uh, in. Oh, they played that video again. Uh, there was a march in New York City against white nationalism. After this, <clears throat> which is you know interesting, bystanders did nothing to help an Asian woman as she was being beaten in broad daylight in Manhattan this week. New York uh, Police Department spokesperson said it had zero records of a 911 call from Monday's unprovoked attack on convicted murderer Brandon Ellis Elliot. Sorry, thirty eight allegedly kicked a 65-year-old victim, an Asian woman, to the ground and reportedly stomped on her face. There's another uh, angle for you right there of a convicted murderer, Brandon Elliott. Um, was attacking 68-year-old uh, Wilma Kari. I think she was Asian, right? Wasn't it an Asian hate crime? Or did they... Re yeah, Asian woman, headline says. <laughs> I was <just> like, <laughs> wait, was it, uh, was it not that? Um... Suspect in attack on Asian woman in New York City. Arrested. I guess that's the latest update on this here, too. Let's see if they just play the video uh, of the attack or not. Might be. Yeah, parole convicted. A parolee, I should say. Details in the search for the go. suspect who violently assaulted an Asian woman in New York City. Police say they have arrested the man seen kicking and stomping the woman in this video. Okay. This man is being charged with felony assault as a hate crime. Investigators say the man also yelled anti-Asian comments at that woman. All right, <clears throat> there you go. So, you know, no uh, clear, clear case, I guess, in that regard, right? Uh, no one called 9-11. This, uh, <laughs> this is pretty good stuff. And the security guard was right there. Close the door. Eh, whatever. Uh, but I believe uh, the security guard uh, guard was also uh, a white supremacist. Uh, any any takers on that? Let's uh, go up full screen. Is that also white supremacist, ladies and gentlemen? Watch. Police say they have arrested the man seen kicking and stomping the woman in this video. Kinda, I can't this really see that there. Okay, they cut away there, but uh, I believe so. I think he's another <clears throat> another white supremacist. So maybe they can charge him with uh, with some kind of hate crime or whatever, right? 
Uh, okay. I'm going to talk about Biden a little bit here. And uh, just a quick mention, because uh, we had a uh, press conference here today, <clears throat> excuse me, where Biden has announced a $2 trillion, potentially as high as $4 trillion, depends on what sources you look at. Uh, there's been a number of puff pieces in the media. Imagine if this was Trump saying and doing these kinds of things uh, to increase taxes on people or something like that, you know, to hit... I don't. The point is, I don't think they would be normally the the liberal press, the the globalist press would be, you know, we're happy to to raise taxes and things like that. What Trump lowered them, or or the the talk was that they gave all these rich people benefits and stuff like that, and that might be true. But the fact is, that there were definitely benefits to smaller, you know, business owners and things like that as well. And now under Biden, it's going to be a massive uh, hike to be able to pay for this climate-friendly infrastructure program, right? You've got to give the internet to everybody, uh, including out on the countryside. you got to update bridges and roads and all that kind of stuff. So uh, he went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania today uh, to announce some of these ideas. Now that we could just listen a couple of minutes in the in the beginning here as he, as he introduces this $2 trillion infrastructure plan. And some people did the math on this. I heard High, uh, High Impact Flicks, one of his movie, uh, movies, <laughs> one of his videos, uh, he did a... Um, uh, it kind of a breakdown, you know, the calculation on this a little bit. Uh, and I think if you broke it down in the same way that you would in terms of who was getting like getting the benefits, remember those are 1.9 trillion. This is how, how it works, right? There's a 1.9 trillion um, stimulus package, whatever, on the relief aid, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then, of course, it's a low payment. It's like 1400 per person or something like that. If, the tr if it was truly true t two trillion that had like gone out to the people, or, or rather that the two trillion can't speak, the two trillion would have to be paid by the people in taxes. It's it's somewhere around the ballpark of like breaks down to you paying have to pay around six thousand uh, dollars per person uh, in America, and then of course not everybody in America is a tax paying person, so then you can break it down further. So it ends up somewhere in the realm from anywhere from ten thousand to fifteen thousand. Uh, per taxpaying person, which means when you go to the store, when you fill up your tank, when you, whatever you're going to do, it's going to be more money. It's going to be costing you more, right? Your standard of living is going to go down and your cost for everything is going to go up. This is how they do it. This is not only how inflation happens by, by pumping in all this money uh, by the Fed into the system and then just handing it out stimulus this way. Anyway, here's, uh, here's what I said in the beginning here. Biden, Joe Biden. Thank very, you. Very high energy here, folks. So hang on. Gov Mike asked me, and uh, I'd say to Bobby, my good friend. Can you hear that okay? Is that too he low? He asked me back there, he said, do you ever get nervous? And I, he said, because I got up this morning, made breakfast for my kids, so I got to introduce the president. And what I said to you, Mike, you did a heck of a job, but I'd get nervous if I had to get up in the middle of the night climb of a telephone pole, replace in the middle of a storm a connection that knocked out everybody's electricity, put a transformer in. That's what made, would make me nervous. So uh, what you did was really good. I couldn't do what you do, pal. I couldn't do what you do. And uh, I want to, uh, and it's true, Mike, you're a union guy? Me too. I got in trouble, but I don't make any apologies for it. I'm a union guy. I support unions. Unions built the middle class. It's about time they start to get a piece of the action. To all my colleagues, 
from the county executive to the mayor to everyone that's here, I want to say thank you. Thank you, Congressman, for the, uh, for the uh, passport in your district, and I appreciate uh, being here. Uh, I'm honored to be with you. Two years ago, I began my campaign here in Pittsburgh. Okay, here's some, of the, here's some of the meat and potatoes, then, of what he's introducing here. I was running to rebuild the backbone of America. And today, I return as your president to lay out the vision of how I believe we do that, rebuild the backbone of America. It's a vision not seen through the eyes of Walter Washington, but through the eyes of hardworking people, like the people I grew up with, people like Mike and his union family, union workers in this Carpenters Training Center, people like the folks I grew up with in Scranton and Claymont, Delaware. Scranton. People who get up every day, work hard, raise their family, pay their taxes, serve their country, and volunteer for their communities, and just looking for a little bit of breathing room, just a little bit of light. Ordinary Americans doing extraordinary things. People who break their necks every day for their families, and the country they love, a country that, in fact, uh, which on the day I was elected was in extreme distress with the virus on a deadly rampage. That yeah, you so, killed. You, you sort of listen here. Here it is. Look, look at this. He's going to mention how many were, were killed. There's always it's always with the numbers with this guy. It's just it's just he can never get it right. Over four thousand, excuse me, five hundred. I carry it in my pocket every day. I have the list of exactly how many have died. <laughs> was an Even before he started saying it, he was reaching in to grab it, right? Because he's just, he knows he's not going to get this one. Extreme distress with the virus on a deadly rampage that has now killed over 4,000, excuse me, 500. I carry it in my pocket every day. <laughs> I have the list of exactly how many have died. 547,000. 296 Americans dead from the virus. More than all the people killed in World War One. So that's, I would assume, his fault now then? Isn't that the, 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 the status of how they're perceiving this? <clears throat> okay, anyway, so as you can see, very super boring. Like, what's, what's, what's going on with this? Uh, what is he talking about? And of course, very little in the press conference in itself. Uh, was kind of laid out and clear, like how again, how are you going to pay for this? Well, there's only one way, and that's to raise the taxes on people. And of course, this was uh, puff pieces in the media. There was nothing really written about this. A couple of sample headlines here uh, from uh, earlier today. Here's how Biden's two trillion infrastructure plan addresses climate change. Oh, well, that sounds good. Infrastructure was a Trump punchline, but it is a window into Biden's soul. <laughs> it's just uh, CNN. Biden infrastructure plan will be big, bold. NEC's D's from Bloomberg. Biden's infrastructure plan, what's best and worst? Okay, so you maybe have some critical critical stuff in the Bloomberg piece. And Washington Post, critics will talk about the cost of infrastructure. Biden should stress its value, right? So just continued, just love, you know, as, as giving Biden a, a tongue bath, as one of the uh, things I read, one of the headlines said. Um, so it doesn't really say, you know, in detail in that way. But you had to kind of go to Daily Mail to, to get a little bit of a, of a story on this yesterday. Uh, Biden is set to announce $3 trillion in tax hikes tomorrow. President, this is today then. President will target businesses, married couples, and high earners on more than $400,000 uh, $400, uh, and estates to fund his climate-friendly 
infrastructure package. And of course, if you uh, run a business, I mean, of, of some just size, this is just not a lot of money. I mean, of course, it's going to go away. It's another way to go after uh, working class people, middle class people, and you know, upper middle class. Uh, the top people will always be, they will always find some way out of this. They will never really suffer. And despite what the, what the Bidens or the, uh, uh, you know, the, the Bernie Sanders says, they will never go after. That's why Biden stopped talking about millionaires because he's one himself. And he's, he's sort of about talking about billionaires instead, right? Uh, total price tag has been pegged at between three trillion and four trillion, right? And they said two now. So I don't know. The administration is working on hikes that could make up to three till uh, uh, up to three till trillion of the package. Can't say that today for some reason. Biden says families uh, families earning less than four hundred thousand won't get tax hit. Okay. Uh, but he is set to target businesses, married couples, and estates. The White House has backtracked on plans to taxi drivers by the to tax drivers by the mile. We talked about that in the Weekend Warrior Show. Individuals filing jointly could still get hit. One tax expert says move to take on step up basis for capital gains on investments, uh, which I'm I'm sure is going to be a tax Bitcoin to death. Right? White House and Biden would propose paying for proposals over time. Uh, yeah. So if you let the the future generations. Uh, deal with that. So it's already in a really bad uh, state, of course. Look at the, uh, what is it, the debt clock, right? The U.S. debt clock. Uh, look and uh, look and uh, and tremble in front of uh, what is coming because uh, there's no way out of this. And, and adding trillions of more in debt uh, onto an already strained system is, is not going to work it. Um, okay. Uh, oh yeah, this is just from Pittsburgh. I don't think there's any updates on this here too. It was just uh, they just linked up the uh, the uh, uh, the the speech there, uh, the presentation in Pittsburgh. Uh, but uh, on a lighter note here, uh, do the right thing and mask up because it's your uh, patriotic duty. Uh, Biden said. Listen to this. I'm reiterating my call for mayor and local leader to maintain and reinstate the mask mandate. Please, this is not politics. Reinstate the mandate if you let it down. And businesses require masks as well. The failure to take this virus seriously, precisely what got us in this mess in the first place, risk more cases and more deaths, deaths. Look, as I do my part to accelerate the vaccine distribution and vaccinations, I need the American people to do their part as well. Cool, mask babe. up, mask up. It's a patriotic duty. It's the only way we ever get back to normal. Mm -hmm. Sure. To cheer together two, in stadiums. Two weeks, was it uh, three weeks to uh, uh, to flatten the curve, right? Wasn't that how it, that, that's how it began? Uh, now, of course, it's uh, uh, microplastics, BPA, endocrine disruptors that you breathe in. Uh, smaller peepees, uh, lung cancer are just uh, some of the consequences of uh, breathing in these plastic particles in many of these masks. And it doesn't matter if it's a cloth mask, because many of those are polyester anyway. Uh, we talked about that the other day too. Uh, complete b uh, bullshit. Uh, yeah, so it's patri patriotic duty now uh, for you to mask up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, of course, in a time when many, you know, states and, and counties and stuff like that are just like they're, 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 they're done with this now. They're done with it. Let's get on with, with life and let's dump this, leave this bullshit behind. Anyway, we'll return uh, to COVID-19 a little bit later in the show too, especially on the mRNA software update. We have some stuff on that. Just wanted to do these real quick here. Entropy. Um, 
Wolves uh, with a with a seven uh, on Entropy Stream uh, says Jaden McNeil was banned from Twitter and Nick was locked out uh, in before Vouch my my TOS or did he, did Vouch say something about uh, uh, oh it's just it's just the terms of service you know what it's, if that's true no no I mean obviously it's true that McNeil and and uh, uh, what's his name Fuentes was was locked out or something of course right but I think one day I think. We'll see. It might not be. It might not get that way. But some of these people that have advocated for censorship or, or just yeah, did the, the TOS bullshit line or whatever on the far left, uh, on the lunatic left. It's going to be a sweet day when they're when they're banned and and censored as well. I do in some way. I, I do think that the kind of the norm normalization of of the. Um, I mean, they're already kind of on a branch, of course, which they're trying to no broadly normalize overall. Uh, but if my prediction is right, they will narrow on both ends. Uh, they will cut way more and harder, of course, on the right traditional nationalist side of things, uh, the, the the national versus the international side. But they might be banned one day or, or limited or severely restricted on some of these big, big platforms too. We'll see. Uh, but if that happens, that day will be, uh, I'll be right there laughing in their faces because they didn't do anything. All right. Um, thank you for that, Wolves. Appreciate that. Let me go over here real quick. We had one more. Desi Mack with a entropy donation says, Afternoon. Thank you for being here. Good to see you. Thank you, Desi. Uh, appreciate that. We had uh, another couple of ones here on uh, DLive as well. Uh, see, to what, what uh, we mentioned White Rabbit Radio hosting Zach McCracken with a diamond. Thank you for that. Silosopher gives five one month subs uh, to. Aurora, Virginian Drifter, Millennial Honky, Beefneck, McGillicutty, <laughs> Craig, 108. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Roar donates a diamond after that. Says, hardworking is a white supremacist dog whistle. It is. I believe it is. Uh, I believe the National Museum of African American something something in Washington, D.C. Remember that? Uh, the lady called Katz, last name Katz, uh, who issued this... Uh, document of like being on time with white supremacy it was these are bad bad traits uh working hard you know into being independent and, and things like that uh so i do believe you're right or uh that's the new uh the new times that we're in okay um so let's see what we have next here i want to make sure we get to the right stuff here oh that, that's that's right we so this is kind of funny i so matt gets i think you pronounce it that way florida uh, what is it, con the congressman? What is he, senator? I forget what he is. Um, I believe this is probably bullshit and ramped up charges and all that kind of stuff. I think it was, yeah, there was trending, still tr trending here. Matt Gates in trouble, or Gats. Um, I don't think there's anything to it. Who knows, right? I, but at the same time, you don't know. I mean, Florida. I remember the the other. Um, what was this? Uh, they give the black guy's name. Um, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. He was a Democrat. He was caught like with a gay hooker um, chat. You'll probably know who I'm talking about. It's like Soros had literally been there, like giving him millions and sponsoring his campaign. He was like really tight, you know, close winning. And uh, uh, he was like caught with like, you know, in a hotel. Andrew Gillum. That's right. Thank you, Pyrrhus. Exactly. Gillum. Uh, he, you know, was caught. He was caught with like throw up in the beds and with pills and drugs everywhere, male prostitutes and stuff like that. And it was like, oh, I had a bad day. I was, you know, really, I was just depressed. And but I wasn't doing anything of that. I was just, you know, whatever. Um, Florida is probably 
they probably had this class of politicians. I, I think it's the norm. So it could be something to it, but most likely it's bullshit that they're going after him, right? And he's, he's been fairly good on some issues. But here's a classic, like a politician move where, where Matt Gates is trying to kind of rope up Tucker in his bullshit lie. I guess assuming like a, a politician just crack crack one of those smiles, you know, and then just like assume that Tucker would play ball and, and, and being roped up in his, whether it's bullshit, I don't know, maybe it happened. But it's funny that Tucker just like, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, Tucker, when we were out to dinner, I had this one young lady with us and, and you know, I pay for them and there's nothing illegal about that, basically. But uh, Tucker said uh, uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Listen to this here. Again, I only know what I've read in the New York Times. Uh, I can say that actually you and I went to dinner uh, about two years ago. Your wife was there and I brought a friend of mine. You'll remember her. And she was actually threatened by the FBI, told that if she wouldn't cop to the fact that somehow I was involved in some pay-for-play scheme, uh, that she could face trouble. And so uh, I do believe that there are people at the Department of Justice who are trying to smear me, uh, you know, providing for flights uh, and hotel rooms for people that you're dating who are of legal age is not a crime. Uh, and I'm <laughs> just troubled that the lack of any sort of legitimate investigation into me would then permute, would then convert into this extortion attempt. I, I, I don't remember the, the woman you're speaking of or the context at all, honestly, but I... Uh, <laughs> again, I Whoops, I wasn't willing to play ball. Uh, now, what, what is the, the Nestor... Uh, so is he is there some accusation that Gats has been like he's uh, homosexual, non-heterosexual? Is that, is that what's happening here? I've I've seen it around, but I haven't looked into it more. I guess I have to. On some level, I think most politics on this level is it's a facade, it's a charade. It doesn't mean occasionally you get some good people doing some good things here and there or whatever. Uh, but most of it, I would assume most of these people are com uh, compromised in some way or another. Uh, and if they aren't rising to that level, then things like this would be happening to them and they would become compromised, right? Or... Here's a young girl, he, you know, someone introduces them, whatever, they go have a, a good time, right? Filmed, whatever. This is what Epstein was, was involved in, right? And then uh, say, look here, like she's 17 years old. What are you doing? Uh, you better do what we tell you to do, right? So it's all kind of charades and theatrics to a certain extent, right? Uh, I don't trust these people at all. Although occasionally issues, he's, he said some good, good things. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. All these, many of these people are, are complete predators, right? But uh, anyway, it remains to be seen. Whether or not he uh, he uh, he had something to do with this or not. Okay, so a uh, quick mention here too: the insurrection th uh, thing, of course, is continuing. I wanted to squeeze this in here uh, real quick before we and just talk about the fundraising issue too of like uh, being able to take part in legal fees and stuff like that. Um, this is kind of it's uh, so this is Frontline and PBS right from or Frontline is PBS right uh, together with ProPublica which is this uh, far-left uh, Marxist group, globalist group, that are tar continuously targeting, tracking, tracing, da building databases on uh, people on the right and things like that. They had a lot to do with uh, doxing, harassing, and uh, hanging people out after, uh, you know, for example, Charlottesville in 2017 and things like that. Here's a trailer for their new upcoming American insurrection. Listen to this here. It's going to be good. Who's our president? Trump's our president. They stormed the Capitol. They were hostile. They were venomous that their country somehow was being taken away from them. 
and plotted to kidnap a governor. The terror plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Sure. And so you think the guys were planning to arrest her? It was going to be a citizen's arrest. Frontline and ProPublica investigate the rise of far-right extremism. Tune in or stream starting April 13th, 10, 9 central, only on PBS. Wow. So exciting. It's exhilarating. I'm going to tune into that and, and look at it, right? Look And look at how they're exposing the dangerous far-right. Imagine them doing this on, like, actual insurrectionists who, like, you know, spent the whole summer in 2020, like, burning down... Uh, <laughs> burning down everything that they come across, including federal buildings, government buildings, uh, flags, going after stores, everything, right? From BLM to Antifa, they've all been involved in it. And, uh, you know, they're an asset, basically, uh, of the government and the states. Uh, and the state, and that's why they're, they're hands-off. Uh, and it's only very rarely that you get someone on that end of things uh, that gets uh, squeezed out, right? So, yeah, so the focus here is of course on still on uh, January 6th the goofball riot uh, again I've said many times the the anger I think of these people is completely understandable uh, and justified uh, but despite that what they did was the dumbest thing I've, I've seen in a long time and they gave them the other side was exactly what they wanted and needed and uh, and look at it now and so despite that it doesn't look good we'll check another story here in a moment it doesn't actually look good in terms of how they're presenting their cases about insurrection and stuff like that. But that has never stopped a court or a legal uh, industry of going after uh, people who they don't like uh, to still clamp down on people, although the legal cases are not that good and well presented, right? Um, but this I want to highlight real quick before we do that, which is basically USA Today, which I think is one of the, what, the highest circulated um, newspaper, the actual paper uh, version, physical copy. In the U.S., I think it's second or the first. I forget which one. I think Glenn Greenwald mentioned that uh, he was writing about this piece too. Uh, it was Brenna Smith, who recently was hired, by the way, by the New York Times. Uh, believe it or not, um, her, her piece was called "Insurrection Fundraiser: Capital Riot Extremist Trump Supporters Raise Money for Lawyer Bills Online." That's right. These white people are showing up here and daring to think that they can have legal bills and therefore legal representation taken care of when they go to court. Outrageous. What can I say? Absolutely outrageous. It turns out they're using websites to raise funds so they can pay their legal fees to have representation when they go to court. Uh, and basically, I, I mean, I don't have to go through it all. It's, it's the same thing, the same uh, MO, the same pattern, the same way they go after people when they want them censored, banned, canceled, thrown off of platforms, uh, deplatformed, losing their payment processes. It's the same bullshit every time, right? And so now they go after various fundraising efforts that people have used and say, oh my God, they've, they've been kicked... They they have been kicked off of these other platforms, and therefore that's a justification in and of itself to be banned from every single platform that's out there, right? Cap the capital riot extremists and others are engaging these companies in a game of cat and mouse as they spring from one fundraising tool to another, utilizing new sites, usernames, and accounts. Yeah, how, how dare they? In one case, a crowdfunding website set up in late 2020 had been adopted by defendant charged with storming the Capitol, who is, is it illegal for people to have legal representation? Is that what they're trying to do? They try to say that 
if you're white and we don't like you and you've done the wrong thing, you shouldn't be able to have a, a an attorney. You shouldn't be able to have legal uh, defense at your disposal. Is that is that where this is going? We know they're doing it on the medical end of things. That basically, if you're white and you've broken your leg, well, sorry, uh, we have equity policy here. Back at the line with you. We're going to treat a non-white person before you because you're white and uh, and you know we, we again we covered that in the weekend warrior show. Absolute lunacy, legal discrimination on people. I mean, it's already happening. It's already here. Uh, but so, so, so they should go through all this and look at, you know, here are the bad guys and look at this. They're, they're using this here. The first they were on GoFundMe, then they were kicked off of PayPal and Stripe. And then, so then, then they went to give, send, go. Then they do this website and that and blah, blah, blah. And basically ban them all, kick them all off because, uh, we hate them and they're enemies. And of course, some of these sites, they follow suit. They get scared and they think, oh, well, we can't do this. We, we got to kick him off, right? The Ben Collins, the Antifa card-marrying mem members uh, who go on MSNBC every other day to talk about how bad the right wing is and defending Antifa's actions, looking the other way for BLM and their murders, said uh, when Brenna T. Smith was she was attacked. You see, first they, first they write a piece, try to destroy other people's lives, and then they try to destroy their ability to have legal representation. Then they get call out on their bullshit and their tactics, and then they run and hide and they get scared, you see? Then it's, they're the victims, it turns out. My first story with USA Today, defendants in the January 6th Capitol riot continues to crowdfund their legal fees online using popular payment processors, despite a growing crackdown from tech companies. And then she was, you know, they were pointing her out at like, you know. And Ben Collins had to run to her rescue, the, the simp, right? There's a reason the extreme far right is that the extreme far right is uniting to attack this USA Today intern for a story about how they're funded. It's because it's good work and more reporting exposing how money gets to extremist movements uh, or <laughs> or gets to extremist movements makes their recruitment and lives harder. Bravo to Brenna, Colin says. There's also a reason the extreme far right is attacking the female intern and not the man who's on the same story byline for the story, exposing how money is getting to those movements. I thought this was about their their legal, having legal representation, but regardless, I'm sure you can figure it out. That's right. They hate, they hate women. Am I right, Ben? Is that where this is going? Wow. Um, other people came out here too. Thank you to Brenna Smith for your amazing article, holding a magnifying glass to online supremacist crowdfunding. Oh, it's online supremacist crowdfunding now, eh? And for being brave enough to publicly acknowledge the harassment you endured as a result. Yeah, there's totally nothing to gain from 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 painting yourself as a victim in our day and age. Oh, totally not. It's just it takes bravery and courage uh, to show that the fact. Bravo to strong women in journalism. And here's uh, women in journalism here, <clears throat> says uh, Brenna Smith from USA Today was targeted by trolls online after she published an article on the use of online crowdfunding by right-wing groups. This was Brennan's first byline. And then she was hired by the New York Times right after, by the way, too. I think she even had it in her uh, Twitter. Yeah, here it is. March 20 22nd. Still in complete disbelief. Thank you so much um, to the people who hired, I guess, uh, her. Uh, Brenna Smith, the New York Times company, right? That's uh, New York Times. She's going to be joining 
uh, Brenna will be uh, will be joining here soon. Uh, you know, New York Times. Have you heard of that? So she's an intern at USA Today, and then she gets uh, she gets hired right away. Uh, it's called being rewarded. It's called not being a victim, right? Being rewarded. Um, so this was an interesting follow up here too. How the insurrection probe is falling apart from from uh, uh, American greatness. Uh, I wanted to look at this one real quick here. Uh, let me see here. Robo, uh, let me do a couple of these real quick. I was reading it real quick here. Uh, Robo think with the diamond on DLive says Red Eyes TV makes work Wednesday and Friday so much better. Well, th thank you, sir, and thank you for watching. Uh, we try to do it, and of course, if you uh, tune in uh, Sundays, you get uh, Weekend Warrior over at RedEyesMembers.com as well. Uh, but we appreciate it. Thank you, Robo think and. Um, uh, let me see. Do we have any else on entropy? Wolves again says uh, insurrection is when bottles. What the, wait a minute. When insurrection is when bottles on ground. Peaceful protest is when destroyed businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the. Um, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. The the different had the different setup, and how they treated differently. I remember. I I got to do that. I wanted to. Rocketeer happened to be on the other day. Where you was on in the background. We're playing it. Um, did you guys remember that Rocketeer? And it's like what in the 30s, so it's Nazis, of course. You kept you know, late 30s, early 40s, and, and America joining and all that stuff. And they're seeking to use this new technology to fight the Nazis, right? Kind of thing. But it was a, an, an interesting scene in there, and I, maybe we could play like at the end or something. Um, it's a, so it's a cartoon, like a commercial in in the movie of basically like we. You know, America needs to fight these Nazis and, and you can't, you know, we can't end up uh, succumbing to this. And if they get their hands on this technology, the rocket rocket launcher thing, backpacks that they had in the movie, uh, they'll invade America, basically. That was the, the scare tactics thing in the in the little commercial there. And so we should play that. We can play that one day. And so they use those kinds of things to like, oh, that's right. We have to, you know, fight these people because one day we'll... People will come to our country that will burn our flags, right? And they will destroy everything kind of thing. And then, you know, the overall point, of course, they realize is they're like, well, wait a minute, you have you have a, a completely uh, hostile, weaponized army internally already in America. They're burning all your flags. They hate the country. They're trying to bring it to its knees. Uh, they protest. They hate the the whole structure of the, of the country. Now, they, of course, they've kind of co-opted nationalism, you know, they're, they're the ones waving the flags now, right? So the same thing as insurrection bullshit, like the people that are fighting against the, the Trump supporters who who, who saw uh, what they thought was an unjust election, things like that. The, the leftists are standing up against them. They are the true patriots. They are the real, kind of the same way Biden said, like, be patriotic, wear your mask kind of thing. Like, they're the nationalists now, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, but just to put that, in, you know, put that in perspective, same thing could be said about England too, right? Oh my God! Believe, imagine if we hadn't defeated, uh, you know, defeated those Germans, we'd be, uh, we'd be, we'd be uh, succumbing to um, uh, an invader, an immigrant uh, force. We'd be speaking a different language today. And then you take a look at the streets of uh, of London and uh, Manchester and uh, Luton and all these places, right? Lot, Lot, Luton, I think it is. Um, and it's already done. It's already happened. All right. Anyway, so the insurrection probe is falling apart. Um. They kind of go through one of the guys here in the beginning, uh, Munchel, Munchel, uh, I think it is, Eric Munchel. He was one of the guys who were in that the, the zip tie guy, they called him. 
Uh, like, oh my God, they were they were all there, you know, tr wanting to kill politicians and all this stuff. All this narrative had been spun after this point. They go through that in the beginning. And then they say here, several cases now face an uphill battle as the Justice Department's abusive overreach related to January 6th is exposed in federal court. In a major blow to both prosecutors and judges who've signed off on dozens of orders to deny bail to capital breach defendants, including nonviolent offenders such as Munchell and Eisenhart, which is his mother, the D.C. Court of Appeals on May, March 26th asked a lower court to, quote, consider a new the government's motion for detention for the pair. The three judges carefully deconstructed the charges against the mother and son, noting neither has been accused of violence, such as assault or de uh, destruction of property. One judge argued the detention order should be reversed, not revisited. In his partial dissent, Judge Gregory Katzis took aim at the Justice Department's exaggerated case. And he said, while there, they attempted neither violence nor vandalism, Katzas wrote. They searched for no member of Congress and they harassed no police officer. They found plastic handcuffs by chance, but never threatened to use them. Munchell's threat to break anyone who vandalized the Capitol was intended to prevent destruction and was addressed to no one in particular. Katzas detailed how both defendants fully cooperated with authorities. They detailed early in the story how they, when they understood that they were under investigation, they turned themselves in, they weren't high, you know, running, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Both were employed at the time of surrender. Eisenhardt has been a nurse for 30 years and neither has a criminal record, with the exception of Munchel's two marijuana possession drugs from several years ago. The left will use that against them now, right? Look at this pothead! The only felony the government could come up with to charge Munchel and Eisenhardt were being charged together is obstruction of an official proceeding, which is an enhancement count filed against defendants charged with misdemeanor. After the court's spanking, the government withdrew its detention order on March 29th. Munchell and Eisenhart will now live under the same home detention rules as a Tennessee judge ordered more than two months ago and that the government successfully appealed. Uh, the appellate Appellate court, is that what we call it? Appellate? Yeah, that's that's how that's how good it's gonna get, folks. The appellate court order had a quick impact on other cases. The same day another federal judge citing the court's opinion challenged the Justice Department's pretrial detention motions for two members of the Oath Keepers, a group fa uh, facing conspiracy charges for its role in the Capitol breach. Now, uh, not gonna go through the rest of that. You can read more of this so far, but yeah, no sedition. Uh, no sedition charges so far. Uh, it's basically a big gay op, right? How they're not everybody was framed. Um, some of them did did, did did this dumb thing where they where they went. Some of them were invited. We've seen some of the footage where they were going here, right? We saw that, and that was that was then used against them. And they, they were now building a case like they always do. They always build it, and they build it in the media and the presser and these judges. They read the newspaper like everyone else. And they think that they're stopping some kind of Nazi invasion, basically, by going after these people. And for most people, not everybody, but for most people, this was like a selfie opportunity. It was fun. They were in there smiling. If these people had planned to really overthrow the government, I think that you would have seen something different. Remember one uh, video I saw that had gone in, I forget if they were in the rotunda or where this photo was taken, where, where they were. One of the chambers... And someone is screaming out, what do we do now? Or something like that. And, and, and it's like, I don't know. <laughs> it was like there was, there was no plan. There was no plan. And that was, of course, the dumbest thing. If they were serious about this, uh, that this would have been the most uh, 
And of course, the, the, the left can still argue this. Well, this is how dumb MAGA Trump supporters are. But this, if that was the case, this is, would have been the dumbest, most just like embarrassment to take over of a government that I've ever seen, right? But this is very serious when you look at the media coverage of this. Holy shit. It's been the, almost all it's been wall to wall um, since this uh, debacle began, right? Uh, Michael 57 de over on Entropy Stream. That's entropystream.live slash Red Ice TV. If you join us over there, says, you hear that Camel to Harris is going to defund the VA, uh, the, the Veterans Affairs, right? Um, not surprised. Uh, she thinks migrants and refugees deserve more money than veterans. Of course they do. I mean, they're, they're taking part in, in colonialist wars, right? I mean, not that they will, not that the Biden administration will do anything against this. In fact, they will go to war with Syria and uh, they will uh, reassert their presence in Afghanistan, of course, for the uh, resources uh, primarily, but for other reasons too, geopolitical reasons, and to uh, do what Israel wants them to do. Uh, but yes, but at least outwardly they can say that they're against that and they give, you know, they pull the money from the veterans and then they give it to refugees. Uh, anyway, uh, Michael continues here. Veterans who've served their nation often at high cost deserve nothing from their nation, while migrants and refugees who've done nothing for us deserve everything. Effing skank. Yeah, I, and I'm not surprised at all. This is how they treat it. They're, they're, they're on... Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a Henry Kissinger style uh, level that they have or a relationship that they have with uh, the, the military, right? Which is a famous quote by Henry Kissinger that... Uh, uh, military men and women, I guess, too, military army people are um, dumb animals that are, that are to be used for, for cannon fodder. It was something like that. I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically something like that. Uh, they're dumb animals and, and like we need to use them for our purposes and, and haha uh, kind of thing. So I'm not surprised. Not surprised whatsoever. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate that. Um, uh, Wolf Wolf Serker uh, on DLive with the diamond says counter revolutionaries to be put to death. Is that a, yeah? Is that an actual quote? I guess that's what it means, right? With the insurrection, is that what that is? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an argument of that. Uh, either has been or that will be done at a certain point. Let me just see. I just did a search for the yeah counter revolutionaries. Yeah, I mean, I guess insurrection, has, it, it's, it ties into that regardless. Thank you, um, Wolf Circa. Appreciate that. Um, if they could, they would. They would make an example. They would uh, They would bring back death penalties in certain states. I mean, it would be federal anyway, right? But you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they've worked against this. It's funny how this is. This is, you know, what are we going to do about the 74 million? I've talked about this many times. And basically... The, the approach they have is that we need to, that's why another reason why we need to free up all the prisons. Uh, it's a it's proof of America's racism that there's uh, so many black people in prison uh, in the United States. It has nothing to do uh, with behavior or, commitment, uh, or committing crime. Uh, it's just because of racism. And therefore, all those people need to be let out. Uh, even murderers, even, even pedophiles need to be let out, right? And then we need to use all that space to put thought criminals and people who think differently in those jails. And then it will, that will be equity, you see? So that's, uh, that's what it is. And if they can put those counter-revolutionaries to death, yes, they absolutely will. Uh, pseudonym with a diamond says, Biden sucks. Yeah, poor old man. I mean, there's nothing left hardly at this point. Uh, everything he represents sucks. I mean, he sucks too. Obviously, he sucks, right? But it's like there's, there's nothing left in there anymore. Uh, tired old man, no soul. 
but the whole administration sucks, suck crazy. Uh, another one, uh, same one from three seven three three seven three. Biden sucks. Thank you. Uh, Exo with a ninja guinea says, "Great, um, grateful to catch a bit of your efforts on today's show. Well, thank you for uh, stopping by. I appreciate that. Very kind of you." Uh, Defective Goyan with a diamond. White population in nineteen sixty. What eighty percent? By 2040, it's 47%. But, you know, white genocide is a conspiracy theory. I assume you talk about the U.S. population defective. Um, but much of that is echoed in many other uh, nations as well. Uh, of course, steep, steep decline. Listen, we just have to get used to being uh, a potentially tiny minority for, for, for some time. Uh, and short-term, very bad conditions. Uh, this is why I stress the issue of having as many children as you possibly can. Not everyone can have them. Not everyone gets the opportunity, and maybe not everyone can have many of them. But this is will be our this will be our our salvation, if you will. That eventually we will reach collective speed. There is a na natural process going on right now where I'm saying nature still dictates here. It's not. It's it's not. Uh, you know. Uh, social Darwinism or, or evolution. In, uh, well, it is evolution, I guess, in that sense. Uh, it, it is still natural selection. That's what I'm looking for. It's, there's still natural selection. Even though we're subjected to propaganda, it's an intraspecies predatory uh, relationship with we, what we have with others, uh, other uh, uh, people, other humans, right? Other other people who are turning against another segment of the population. We could break, we could break, you could break that down by race, um, politics to a certain degree, uh, you know, opinion, car, K, R selected. There's a couple of different variables you can bring into that, but that's generally that's what's happening. We have a predatory class which is trying to eradicate another uh, for the favor of of them surviving and living at at, at an optimal level. And those who are succumbing to that propaganda and are buying that, whether they become self-hating or therefore decide it's evil to be white, and so they. Make sure not to go on to have white children or something like that. Let's assume that's a scenario. Then they will be taken out of the circulation, out of the gene pool. And that's, in a way, that's still nature, right? It's new environmental pressures, and the selection will be differently, right? So on a short-term basis, we could be very, very few. But if you only have left a number of people, that are very hard-lined on the issue of both preserving themselves, having an, an, an ethnic identity, um, not built on the hatred of others, but for the love of their own and for the preservation of them, their, their own kind, and our ability to to thrive in, in this world. And you have them being, you know, multiplying, you know, having more and more kids, maybe not more and more, but many kids each generation, at, a, at some point, kind of like if you look at the Amish birth rates or something like that, at some point they reach a an explosion. And that's likely, maybe not the only way, but that's likely will be one of the scenarios for, for us. And, and of that, those people will also be then susceptible to not have fallen for all the propaganda and all the dumb stuff that we see happen today in our world. So in a way, it will be a, a, a you know a selection process. It's eugenic. In a way, right now it's dysgenic, but eventually, because of the dysgenics, it will become eugenic, uh, whether we want to or not. And only the strong, therefore, strong of mind, strong of heart, strong of uh, morals, dedication, uh, vir virtue, um, 
and uh, and those who have a, a respect for our ancestors and, f- and for a continuation, they're the ones who are going to continue, right? That's how it works. Uh, anyway, I didn't mean to go off on that, but that's that's how I see it. So uh, thank you, XO. Appreciate that. And also Defective Goem uh, for that point. Um, okay. Let's see. Where were we here? Yeah, the insurrection stuff, we covered that. We talked about that. Uh, let me see what else we had here. Oh, yeah, no. So this is the, uh, just a quick mention. It's it's too long to go through. But here's the piece by Glenn Greenwald. Check it out on, on uh, greenwald.substack.com if you want to. Journalists attack the powerless, then self-victimize to bar criticism of themselves. This is a the whole kind of, this is the nutshell of the insurrection story. And the journalist there, uh, what was her name again? Um, Mina, what was her name? Um, oh, I forget her already. Some memorable she, she, she was, I guess. Um, the USA Today are uh, journalists there. They get hired by the New York Times, right? Um, he goes through this. And it's essentially how these people who are uh, victims now being targeted by the government, by the state on these insurrection, insurrection charges and stuff like that, they have no power. They have no influence. They're they're virtually nobody, right? And the whole entire establishment, the whole system is turning on them. They're now even the, the media or their lap uh, lap boys, right? They're they're uh, they're in cahoots with the media. They're all binding together as a massively powerful entity uh, to crack down on on ultimately the powerless, who I guess in a certain extent got so desperate that the, that the only thing left that they saw that they could do to voice their opinions and be heard uh, was to tag along when people were breaking into the uh, the U.S. Capitol uh, to show their discontent and to take selfies too, right? Uh, but then, of course, as soon as they get a little bash- backlash, these journalists, then they, cl- then they claim that they're the victims. We are the ones like, you're in a position where you have massive power. The journalist's job in the tra- traditional sense was to examine power, to expose power, to help the little... We're so far removed from that right now. It's because these people run the system, they run the show, everybody thinks like them. From the Goldman Sachs to the Black Rocks, uh, the, ba- the big powerful banks, the institutions, academia, mainstream media, most of the pol- political class, they all think the same. And so now when they're in charge, their ideology rules, then it's totally fine to clamp down on people, crack down, destroy people's lives, who have no influence, no power whatsoever. So this is a good piece that kind of point that out and 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 and, uh, and shows that. So if I have more time another day, I'll go through it. But uh, he does a good job here. Yeah, he even shows like people, uh, uh, you know, Jim Acosta is painting themselves as the, as the victims, you know, during the Trump administration and shit like that. Um, yeah, Brenna T. Smith, uh, Smith, Glenn said to her, congratulations on using your new journalistic platform to try to pressure tech companies to terminate the ability of impoverished criminal defendants to raise money for their legal defense from online donations. You're well on your way up in this industry for sure. Uh, so good, uh, good uh, piece here uh, for sure. Uh, and he was, you know, he was being attacked and for attacking her and stuff like that. But uh, anyway, check that out, the, that story. Uh, unfortunately, don't have time to go through it all here. I uh, want to quickly mention uh, Foucault here too, My, Michel Foucault. Now, he's a, he's a cultural Marxist. Um, he comes from the, what, the structural, structural, structuralism, that school, right? Which is one of the components that was kind of worked into uh, the Frankfurt School which became part of that um, line of thinking, and they used his philosophical work to kind of build on it. And he himself was, of course, dedicated to Marxist causes. Uh, he was uh, no, very, very non-heterosexual, 
Uh, and it came out here that he had been raping Middle Eastern boys. In fact, when he went to went to Tunisia, he's a French philosopher, as you can see in the headline there. Uh, so there's a tie here to some of those, like Algeria, you know, Tunisia. You have some uh, French colonies and, and evil things like that, right? In these countries. Uh, so he went there to to rape uh, rape little Arabic boys, little North African boys. Turns out. Uh, so the tele uh, the Times actually had this story. Uh, but it was cut off there, so I found it on Archive. Um, the philosopher Michel Foucault, a beacon of today's woke ideology, has become the latest prominent French figure to face a retrospective reckoning for sexually abusing children. So it's funny how this works. It's always them, isn't it? Every time. A fellow intellectual, Guy Swarman, has unleashed a storm among Parisian intellezos, intellos, with his claim that Foucault, who died in 1984, aged 57, was a pedophile rapist who had sex with Arab children while living in Tunisia in the late 1960s. Swarman, 77, said he had visited Foucault with a group of friends on an Easter holiday trip to the village Sidi Bou, uh, Sidi Bou said near Tunis, near or where the philosopher was living in 1969. Remember, 60, the 69 generation Right, all this lunacy that happened there, and it all started with like the the Paris Commune, right, and then the French Revolution, and this lunatic, this mutant lunatic uh, political ideology, which has ravaged and killed millions of people in and of its wake ever since. Right, young children were running after Foucault, saying, "What about me? Take me, take me!" He recalled uh, last week in an interview with the Sunday Times. They were eight, nine, ten years old. He was throwing money at them and would say, let's meet at 10 p.m. at the usual place. This, it turned out, was the local cemetery. He would make love there on the gravestones with the young boys. The question of consent wasn't even raised. Well, even if it was, fuck that shit. Disgusting. Swarman claimed that Foucault would not have dared to do it in France, comparing him to Paul uh, Gauguin. Gauguin, right, the Impressionist, said to have had sex with young girls that he painted in Tahiti, and Andrew Guide, the novelist who preyed on boys in Africa. Isn't it funny how all these, and these are like proponents of open borders, and like we got to become multicultural, let's just uh, replace the French and all that stuff. Gee, I, gee, I wonder why they want to let in all these people, how all these, uh, all these people that they can ultimately abuse, I would assume, then and rape ultimately. There is a colonial dimension to this, a white imperialism. See, then, it, then it's that, right? <clears throat> No, this is not what's going on here. This is lunacy, left-wing maniacs who, in fact, hate French nationalism. They hate anything imperial. Uh, they hate white, white supremacy and white people in general. Um, and, and, and they've helped to undermine and destroy those things, in fact. Sormann says he regrets not having reported Foucault to, Foucault to the police at the time or denounced him in the press, calling his behavior ignoble and extremely morally ugly. Yeah, no shit. But he added, the French media already knew about Foucault's behavior. There were journalists present, present on that trip. There were many witnesses, but nobody did stories like that in those days. And why? Because everyone was a, in the press was a pedophile? Well, if you point me out, I'll, I'll expose you, right? Foucault was the philosopher king. He's like our god in France. With his trademark polo necks, bald head and spectacles, Foucault, the son of a surgeon, was one of the first celebrities intellectuals of the 20th century, remembered not only for his controversial analysis of prisons, madness and sexuality, but for signing a petition in 1977 to legalize sex with children, age 13. 
always the same. The best-known biography of him, The Passion of Mike, uh, Michel Foucault, in 1993 by James Miller, describes his interest in the gay, sadomasochistic bathhouses of America. He was one of the first openly gay figures in public life and died of AIDS, but makes no mention of his sexual antics in Tunisia. Um, so that one said, some, some Marxist said, Foucault is a right-wing Nietzschean. He hated Marxism to me when I, when I, <laughs> when I linked up the story on, uh, on Twitter.com. Uh, oh yeah, he's a he's a right wing a right wing Nietzschean. You said okay, yeah, he hated Marxism. Uh, just do a little a little quick uh, quick rundown of where he was on the on the spectrum here, shall we? A uh, little uh, biography here. Michel Foucault was a French 20th century philosopher and historian who spent his career forensically criticizing the power bourgeois capitalist state, including its police, law courts, prisons, doctors and psychiatrists. His goal was to work out nothing less than how power worked and then to change it in the direction of a Marxist anarchist utopia. Though he spent most of his life in libraries and seminar rooms, he was a committedly revolutionary figure. He met with enormous popularity in elite Parisian intellectual circles. Jean-Paul Sartre admired him deeply and he still maintains a wide following among young people studying at university in the prosperous corners of the world. His background, which he was extremely reluctant ever to talk about and try to prevent journalists from investigating at all costs, was very privileged. Gee, I wonder Both why. his parents were inordinately rich, coming from a long line of successful surgeons in Poitiers in west-central France. Why, and why is it always like this? Why is it always the, the rich, bored, spoiled brat kid that's like... Uh, let's undermine Western civilization. It's just, uh, it's, too, it's too strict. I want some action. How about, how about legalizing sex with 13-year-olds? That should be exciting. His father, Dr. Paul Foucault, came to represent all that Michel would hate about bourgeois France. Michel had a standard upper-class education. He went to elite Jesuit institutions, was an altar boy. Oh, it's the Jesuits! <clears throat> Parents hoped he would become a doctor, but Michel wasn't quite oh, like oh. the boys. He's but I will say that, though. I mean, it's clear, uh, judging from this, where he goes with this, it's clear that he was, prob was probably abused by a priest. I mean, that's just the reality of it, right? Um, the media loves talking about uh, Catholic, uh, the Catholic, the rape bullshit that happens, and it's disgusting. It should be exposed. I'm not saying anything of that nature, but it's also because it's very it's serving a greater purpose to them. That's why they bring it up. That's why they never talk about that in the Jewish Orthodox community, big problem in the Muslim community. Basically, every Abrahamic religion has deep issues when it comes to to sex and the repression of it, which leads to weird fucking things. Um, and it's, it's a clear it's a clear problem, and they suppress the, the urges and the drives and stuff. I think you know, speaking of, I think this is going to happen to Milo. Have you seen what he's doing recently? He's becoming some kind of saint, uh, or he's using some method by some saint to suppress his homosexuality and stuff, which is like, okay, good. Well, I, I need him. Whatever. Do, do what you need to do, dude. But I bet you he's going to be—he's going to start training. He's going to become a—one day he's going to be a priest. You'll, you'll see. He'll start some—not a whole new church or anything, but he will become some kind of figure within the church. In tw what is he? Like, he's, what is he, late 30s or something like that, Milo? Let's say 20 years, he's 50, late 50s, going into 60s. He has established his way in some, some way. 
he's going to be around all these young boys. He's going to be teaching them things. And he's going to do the exact same thing what happened to him. And he's going to abuse boys. And then the circle continues, right? Um, Orthodox priests, as far as I heard, actually get to get married. I mean, there's some, some priests I know are, get married and they have families and they have sex with, with women. And, and that's just a, a, a you know, drive of, of man. And, and, and man needs that. And so to try to su suppress it uh, leads, I think, to, to generally weird things. Maybe there's a one-off here and there where people can actually pull it off, right? Uh, but I think a Orthodox priest, they can marry. They can have a wife. They can have kids. Um, what's, what's wrong with that? Anyway, uh, there's a detour here. But obviously Foucault was, was probably raped in this Jesuit college, I would assume, or, or wherever he went, right? He started self-harming and thinking constantly of suicide. At university, he decorated his bedroom with images of torture by Goya. When he was 22, he tried to commit suicide and was forced by his father, against his will, to see France's most famous psychiatrist, Jean Delay, at the Hôpital Saint-Anne in Paris. The doctor wisely diagnosed that a lot of Michel's distress came from having to keep his homosexuality, and in particular, his interest in extreme sadomasochism, away from a censorious society. That's right. So, <clears throat> back to the tweet there again. Uh, Foucault is a right-wing Nietzschean. He hated Marxism. <clears throat> yeah, that's your... Your, your average Superman descri <laughs> described uh, right, right there, folks. Gradually, Foucault entered the underground gay scene in France, fell in love with a drug dealer, and then took up with a transvestite. For long periods in his 20s, he went to live abroad in Sweden. Typical, typical right-winger. Um, unless you're talking about a MAGA drifter, that's a, that's a different thing, but that's not what the person said. In Poland and Germany, where he felt his sexuality would be less constrained. All the while, Foucault was progressing up the French academic ladder, the seismic event of his intellectual life came in the summer of 1953, when Foucault was 27 and on holiday with a lover in Italy. There he came across Nietzsche's book, Untimely Meditations, which... And so then the reason why he loves it is because it's a transvaluation of values, right? That's the only thing. And so then they say, oh, well, look at that. He wanted to create the Superman. Like if he would have reversed uh, his philosophy and went in a different direction or something like that, like, okay, sure. Uh, but... I mean, this is crazy, right? Because it's like you're you're not gonna you're not gonna pull this off as a as like it was a right wing Nietzschean, <laughs> and he fed, most of his stuff fed into as I said through structuralism right into the uh, the Frankfurt School uh, and everything like that. But anyway, so there you go. So one of their guys uh, abused little French boys in Tunisia, and it's always the same thing. So with the people who are like behind the Me Too movement or those who are seeking to break down society or traditionalism or Western, uh, you know, Western way of looking at things, right? Uh, and I think the only, the only way you get me is the transvaluation of values, uh, which they like to a certain extent uh, because that's kind of cool. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't buy it for a moment that he was a, it was a, a right-winger. Uh, maybe MAGA, if he had said MAGA grifter, then, uh, then I think you're, you're onto something right there. Uh, all right, so we're going to move on here. I have uh, another couple of stories. I want to get to the uh, uh, the post-human stuff here, too. That's actually a quite important segment I have. Let me just double-check, make sure we're uh, caught up here. Um, defective Goyim uh, with the diamond, maybe this from earlier, said Britain will be non-white majority nation by 2050. Uh, it's insane. Defective Goyim said with another diamond, Sweden, Norway, and non-white majority nation by 2050 as well. Uh, yep, and uh, in fact, going with another diamond says, "Who will strike back?" USA, Britain against the Marks, um, and in fact, going again says, "Top abortion nations: Russia, Ukraine, China, Vietnam." 
Yeah, I'm surprised by Russia and um, I'm surprised by Russia and Ukraine. I'm still not sure why they're so high on the abortion issue. I wish they would reverse it or do something. Now, Poland has tried and all that stuff. We've talked about that in the past, and this seems to be fairly, uh, fairly good on that front. Um, but uh, it's, again, I think it's just a, po a population. Uh, eventually, you have a, a natural decline, and the only problem is we're trying to make up for it with immigration. That's, that's your problem. You'll have ups and downs in, in populations, and that kind of weeds up you know, a certain type of person who then don't want to have kids, for example, right? Um, anyway, thank you for those uh, diamonds defective. I appreciate that. Gunder with the diamonds does not just have kids, have families and start early. Well, obviously, obviously I mean, that's implied, right? Uh, having having families uh, is the point. Uh, starting early, I'd recommend that as well, but uh, better late than never, as they say. Uh, defective going with the one more diamond says top breeding nations, black Africa and Muslims, the Muslim world. Yeah, I think uh, Africa is slated to become some, some around 4 billion by the end of the century. Uh, but um, I don't know. There could be things that happen there, too. It's very hard to do these predictions and say and, and to always assume that it's going to go in one direction. Uh, there could be a lot of things happening. We'll talk about some of that later, in fact, uh, when it comes to the future and the direction uh, of where things kind of go. Although it's not sure that. Uh, quick mention here, too of uh, the Sw Swedish security police. This is, you can't read this, but real quick mention. There is a, the Swedish security police recently came out with a report. It's a few days ago, a couple of weeks ago, where they said that the biggest threat to national security uh, is uh, the, the, pa the pandemic, like the coronavirus pandemic and misinformation around that. And they also kind of roped into uh, this, the uh, uh, what they called, uh, I guess, just violent extremism. And in the wake of this report being released uh, from the security police, uh, they issued a directive, or it ties in, I should say, with a new, uh, what do you call, um, new authority, new body within the government to being created, uh, which is called uh, psychological defense. It can, it, you would translate that directly, but it basically means like the psychological meaning, like, uh, you know, the, the, the mental space, the, the world where people are, you know, uh, manipulated by ideas and things like that. Now, if you go back several decades, Sweden had a, uh, an agency uh, called Psychologist Försvar, uh, Psychological Defense, which back in 2009 ended up being scrapped on behalf of another agency called uh, MSB, which stands for in Swedish, uh, the authority for... Uh, government or, or society protection and uh, readiness, I guess you could translate that as. But anyway, so now they've issued again a new directive uh, to form this uh, new government or new part of the government, psychological defense, which is going to have in its key component or, or, or purpose uh, to look after what they call misinformation, right? The same development in all Western countries right now. Uh, and again, that one of the reasons for this, they say, is this issue with the pandemic. The people have had different views when it comes to the pandemic. And they see this as a, as a major problem. Uh, in fact, there was even a screenshot. I can show that real quick. The other day from a TV show uh, in Sweden. Let me see if I can pull that up here. And it was ways to how do we how do we prevent this from ever happening again? The pandemic or how do we take control of it or something like that? And someone zoomed in on the screen behind them where they went through the points. And, and, and again, for those who, who don't speak Swedish here, number one, eat less meat. That's that's a primary way we're going to pre prevent pandemic. 
And also, we're going to need a surveillance system. That's dot number two right there. And then they go on and talk about new prototypes for vaccines uh, as a way to solving this. But yeah, so basically, get the pod, uh, you know, bend over, uh, eat the bugs, uh, take the vaccine, uh, be surveilled, let us monitor and track and trace everything, and that's going to fix it, right? Uh, but back to the story real quick there, too. The, the Psychological Defense Agency uh, is going to be formed January 1, uh, 2022, and uh, they are going to kind of formulate a bit exactly what aspects and stuff that they're looking at. Uh, but apparently a big aspect of this is what they call uh, disinformation, uh, spreading of rumors that are aimed like towards, you know, Sweden and stuff like that. And and, and it's funny that these, these agencies still operate from perspective of they, they claim that they're concerned for national security when they themselves, the government, the state, have done everything it can to undermine national security by opening up our borders, by not taking threats seriously, uh, by letting people being abused and and uh, taken advantage of and uh, raped in our own countries and stuff like that. As usual, these agencies will be used against people they, they, they disagree with, right? Um, anyway, I, I just, I, I think it's uh, crazy, to be honest, absolute nuttery uh, that they're going in this direction. Okay, so we're going to uh, slide into the little bit more on Corona here and then talk about uh, this the, uh, the transhuman stuff. I want to mention that real quick. Uh, before we do that, Wolves uh, for 3 says uh, on Entropy Stream with journalists, it's not hard to fed post. It's hard not to fed post. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd see. Uh, get your pain, Wolfen. Uh, Wolves, I appreciate that. Uh, Ty Penn with a don't over on Entropy Stream says most of these so-called philosophers are twisted, disgusting degenerates. That's right. And that's why they get... They become the mental linchpinnings of our civilization. And it's also a reason why we're circling the gutter, the drain right now, too. Because this is the people and their ideas that we've used to uh, build up our, our uh, essentially, our, our, our moral, moral framework, right? Um, okay, so DeSantis, uh, thank you for that, Taipan. I appreciate the, the support. Uh, DeSantis, who is horrible on some issues and slightly better on some others, uh, this one is, uh, I guess you should have a little cred for this, uh, is to issue an executive order banning vaccine passports. We detailed this in the Weekend Warrior show that that's done now. Uh, this was called a conspiracy theory about a year ago when we looked at this and talked about this and we played the clips by Bill Gates where he talks about there has to be some kind of certificate for people to travel uh, to see that they're vaccinated and the uh, all the fact checkers where this is this is wrong, this is a, it's conspiracies. And then here we go. New York just uh, launched uh, the app where you have to, in order to take part in certain venues, you have to not only test your uh, temperature, this happens in the UK too, uh, you now have, if you want to travel to certain areas, i.e. a passport, you have to show your vaccine uh, records, right? Uh, Florida Ron Governor, rather, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said Monday that he would issue an executive order forbidding local governments and businesses from requiring so-called vaccine passports to show proof that customers have been inoculated against the coronavirus. He made the announcement on the day when more Floridians would become eligible for vaccinations. And during a ceremony, uh, he convened at the state capitol to sign into law a bill approved by the legislator on Friday that would bar COVID-related lawsuits against businesses that have made good faith efforts to comply with guidelines meant to stop the spread of the virus. While the governor has previously spoken out against vaccine passport, he said he would take the additional step of forbidding businesses from refusing to serve people who can't prove they have been vaccinated. So good for him. Um, good stuff. We do uh, we do take it uh, we do take it uh, when we can. Uh, all right, here's a pretty 
pretty interesting video here. I linked it up. Uh, I think I tweeted it out. I'm not sure if you've seen it yet. Um, now, it's a little bit longer. I'm going to skip forward a little bit. I'll play it from the beginning so you guys get an idea of what he's doing. Guy's going around in a car. Uh, it says he's in Vancouver here, so uh, uh, Honkouver. He's talking about how people are obeying the pandemic and just how they're good sheep for, you know, go along with everything, not questioning anything. And eventually, at a certain point in the video here, a maniac, uh, what looks to be, a, I guess, an Asian, half-Asian cyclist uh, gets... Uh, so angry that he smashes the car window of this guy uh, because I guess he just, uh, I don't know, he just he just violently needs to uh, defend our authorities for, for doing the right thing. So let's uh, play a little bit in the beginning and then we'll skip forward to about three minutes uh, where, the, uh, where the action begins. This is some crazy no shit here. No need to question authority. Everything on the TV is always true. The government would never lie or manipulate you for any reason. Just trust the TV, keep wearing those masks. Just 14 more years to flatten the curve, everybody, and we'll be back to normal. You're all doing a great job. Thank you for your service. We love you. There's no need to question anything, sir. The government loves you. They're never going to lie to you about anything. Just That's right. Just wearing those masks, and everything will be great. You're all doing a great job. Thanks for cooperating. No need to question the narrative. Just trust your government. Trust the media. Do what you're told. There's no need to, to question... So you get the idea of what he's, what he's doing. He's going around for a while. And then eventually here at, uh, where are we here? You're on three minutes here. Let's go here. This is crazy. But other than that, you're all doing a great job. Trust in the narrative. Do what the news tells you. Do what the government tells you. You're all doing a great job. Congratulations. We love you. Congratulations for following the narrative and trusting the news and not questioning anything. You're all doing a great job complying with the narrative. There's definitely not a psychological operation happening when you're convinced of a reality that's based on fear that has nothing to do with what's actually happening. Fuck you! You fuck it! Shut the fuck you up! You shut the fuck up! You shut the fuck up! I'm trying to get fucking up! Shit, fuck you! Hey, get the fuck out of here! You're fucking insane, bro! Get the fuck out of here! Get the fuck out! Get the fuck out of here! Get the fuck out of here! You're insane, bro! Got over. Dude, you're insane. It's an Asian hate crime. The hell? Dude, get the fuck out of here, man. I'm going to kick you in the fucking head. We're trying to wake people up because you've been psyoped. We love you, people. <laughs> but you've been psychologically... You've literally been psyoped. Wow. Okay, are you happy now? Are you happy now, you fucking asshole? We're trying to wake you people up over here. You've been psyoped, brother. You've been psyoped. That's what a psychological operation is. Yeah, you want to know the truth? You want to know the truth? The same number of people died this year and last year and last year. You've been psychologically manipulated, my friend. It's true. We still love you, but you need to wake the fuck up. Yep. I mean, what's that going to do? <laughs> you know this has all been filmed, right? We've been... You realize you just committed a serious crime. I'm going to get a photo of this. What, what is this? That, what's the... What is the psychological mechanism here where you so, so violently have to defend the very people ab abusing you, taking advantage of you? I would assume that it just, it's, it struck a chord. It's the only thing I can imagine, right? <clears throat> He's cool, though. He takes it easy. Yeah, people say he wasn't wearing a mask either, that guy, right? Anyway, so that's that's that. 
fascinating uh, turn of events there <coughs> for uh, for that video. But good on him. Cyclist flips out, smashes car, woke ass media. I guess it's uh, like wet ass uh, uh, word or something. Woke ass media. Um, okay, good stuff. So <coughs> you know we got to watch out because uh, not everybody want to be wake woken up. Um, but it's a hell of a thing when you're uh, when when you're finally confronted with some of that because uh, as always you turn on the messenger right you don't you don't actually listen to the message or just uh, well that guy is clearly insane I'm not talking about the cyclist but the guy with the megaphone right well he's clearly insane I feel strong in my position uh, I'm doing the right thing uh, but that's not what happened right uh, okay so uh, continuing here on the insanity uh, here's a class in Garfield Oakland. Uh, that are adopting something they call the zombie walk in order to keep... I mean, this becomes... It's going. Zombie walk in order to keep six feet of distance during recess on the first day of partial in-person learning. Check this out. Is that really... Does that really help to do six six feet apart? I, I don't know. I have a, I have a hard time believing. It. I think it's the I think it's the zombie, uh, the 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 meme of like the zombie manifesting themselves into the body of the young ones. That's the plan here. <clears throat> We're doing other things too. Lots of activities here. A staff prepared to greet students returning partially in person learning today at Garfield Elementary School in Oakland. Uh, but there you go. Yeah, zombie. Zombie walks, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing, uh, nothing surprises uh, in 2021. AstraZeneca, which of course have been uh, banned, blocked temporarily, I should say, um, restricted in many countries because of blood clots. I also like that they hone in on you know kind of one little aspect. Like there's a lot of things that they could potentially ban and block these for. People have just died. How about that? Should we stop? We have 800 people died, you know, <laughs> of, the, of the vaccine. It's probably more now. We did the extraction from the database, queried the database. Uh, I haven't done that in a few weeks now, so I don't even know what the official death, you know, death number is. If anybody has it in chat, let me know if you saw someone or if you've done uh, it yourself from the uh, VAERS database, what the number is at now. But, uh, yeah, AstraZeneca vaccine renamed Vaxzervria. Vaxzervria? The Corona's vaccine produced by the AstraZeneca, uh, AstraZeneca pharmaceutical company is now called Vaxzervia. And the reason for this is because uh, the Swedish medicine agency Läkemedelsverket, which is the... Uh, the, the uh, the body, the, the authority tied to, you know, overseeing drugs and stuff, it's like our FDA, uh, announced this based on data from the European Medicine Agency. So I guess this was kind of a, a slip-up. It wasn't meant to happen, but due to the fact that people were watching what Lachimedes Verket was doing, that was leaked or, or came out. Now, why in the world would they be changing the name of this? What, what's, what's, what, could what could possibly be going on here? The vaccine itself remains unchanged, but the Swedish agency considers the new name important as it is accompanied by other things, such as new labeling and packaging. Blood clots, yeah, that's one of the things, but many other uh, side effects of these vaccines too. The name change to Vaxzervia was approved by the EMA, the European Medicine Agency, uh, on March 25th, following an application from the company. 
The vaccine producers by the British-Swedish pharmaceutical company has been the topic of discussion several times since it received the green light from the EMA in late January. Right after its approval, various countries in Europe, including Belgium, decided not to use it for the elderly waiting while waiting for more data. Later in... Uh, or yeah, later in early March, several European countries temporarily suspended the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine because some of these, uh, some of the some cases of blood clots and low plat platelet counts. Is that how you pronounce that? Platelet. That's what it looks like. Uh, on 18th of March, the EMA reconfirmed that the vaccine was safe and effective, and that the benefits outweigh the possible risks. But it's still investigating the marrow. So they're still investigating all those. It's 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 all right. You can you can still have the mRNA software update, but. But we'll keep monitoring here in the meantime. That's that sounds that sounds reasonable to me. Additionally, the company also has been subjected to uh, or of discussions at its, as it repeatedly reproduced uh, its promised deliveries to the EU, resulting in escalating tension between the EU and the UK. And blah blah blah. I remember this uh, bullshit. But yeah, so just if you have issues with anything, as any good uh, marketing person will tell you, uh, go for the old uh, uh, rebranding. We'll rebrand the mRNA software update, and maybe then. Uh, people will uh, will take it and uh, and follow suit. Um, Taipan again over on the Anthropocene says, "Where is black on Asian assault when you did it?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny. If this if there was an Asian guy in the car and a white guy did this with the bike, there would have been a hate crime. Uh, if it was white people doing what they see doing at at uh, on Asians in New York and California and stuff. Uh, which it which it wasn't, but it's still called a hate crime, right? Uh, but they won't but they won't say who's doing it because that would be racist to call out that it's blacks doing the uh, the violent assault and attacks on on Asians. So let's have a march against white nationalism because uh, that's going to fix it. So peace and love and harmony between these different races, and they could all have marches against white supremacy and white nationalism, right? Um, okay, let me go back up here. Um, let me see. Where are we here? We did that one from Defective. Uh, he said, no, this one we have not done from Defective. He says, uh, trust the Jayish Marxist media. Pravda, New York Times. That's right. It always obey, sir. Thank you. Uh, Lord Aragon with the diamond says, what what mask cucks? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Dancing Israelis with the Ninjagini. Thank you for that. He says, lemon dump. Been waiting to do this. Thank you for everything you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, dancing Israeli sounds one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, uh, diamonds in a row. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate that. Top of the food chain with a diamond. Hail of victory. Uh, same to you, sir. Hail of victory indeed. Thank you so much for watching. Appreciate it. Uh, all right. So let's talk about this story here. We have a couple left. I'm going to dive in a little bit here now uh, on the issue of the post-human world that's kind of uh, arising out of all this mRNA update stuff. But before, before we go there, check out this story. Man's skin peeled off in rare reaction to Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine. Richard Terrell, 74, suffered a severe rash over his entire body after receiving the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine. This was any other... Imagine if, if like, something Infowars sold uh, did something like this. What, what, what do you think would happen, right? But how is it that you can have hundreds and hundreds of deaths, hundreds and hundreds of blood clots, blood clots side effects... Um, organ failure, people are passing out, they are getting all kinds of weird effects and things, you know, including death and stuff. Uh, their skin is now falling off. 
How is it that nothing happens to these companies? Well, one part of that is because they're exempt, right? They're, as Bill Gates said, indemnified. You can't sue them. Uh, but then if you look at the fact-checking for that, say, well, it's not really true because, excuse me, you can, sue, you can sue the state. You can sue you, in other words, the taxpayer. You can sue the state in the vaccine compensation uh, injury program. So, you know, the fact-checkers say, well, okay, you know, the conspiracy theories has somewhat of a point, but it's not really fully true because you can still get money from someone, uh, although it's not the pharmaceutical companies making money on making your skin fall off and making your organs fail. And all the kind of nasty stuff, but you know, completely fine. Don't worry about it. Now, what's what's doing this? What is? How is this possible? Well, part of it is possible because they're injecting foreign code, genetic code. Um, well, technically, no. You're you're injecting the little factories that's producing the the uh, the spiked virus, right? But it's, you're injecting something that's like using your cells building blocks and, and reassembling and doing doing things like this. That's why I still argue you're being genetically modified. If you weren't, they would have been taking the base material from something else that was being injected into you and then producing it or something. But in this case, as far as I understand the whole situation, they're, t they're actually using the base components that's in your body, that's in your cell nucleus, and modifying that to produce the spiked pro uh, protein COVID-19. Or car, SARS-CoV-2, right? Or is that the, just the, the the name of the disease? Whatever. Uh, so good stuff, right? <clears throat> no reason to worry, uh, but your skin could fall off. Um, here, just a little clip I, I, I saw in passing to how they're treating this too. This is about a Jewish family uh, who's hosting some Passover here and how they've not been able to hug previously because they weren't vaccinated but now they're fully vaccinated and now they can now they can hug uh, finally it's amazing that people have done that they've done this that um, they listen to the media and the press and they have not they have not hugged or even seen their family in what is it, over a year now for months and months and months uh, but you know as soon as you take the, the risk of having your skin fall off then you can hug it's okay it's not a problem <laughs> Like many other Jewish families who hosted seders this Passover, it was an advancement in modern medicine that made a centuries-old tradition possible in person again. Now fully vaccinated, 74-year-old grandmother Esther Greenberg got to hear how delicious her matzo ball soup is in person nice. with her family around the table once again. Mm -hmm. It was a welcome return to some semblance of normalcy this Passover, a spring holiday to commemorate the biblical story of the exodus of Israelites from <clears throat> Egyptian slavery. Totally. Totally Esther happened the way they say. husband Bob are among the 42% of all American seniors already fully inoculated. Let's start with the sheep bone. The shank bone, the shank bone is the sacrificial lamb. For fully vaccinated Jewish families like the Greenbergs, there was one thing for certain on the menu that they sorely missed last year via Zoom, hugging. I can't wait to hug and kiss everybody I haven't been able to do Jeez. since really, last lady? year. And looking up and seeing my Passover table, not with everybody, but with, it's like I'm learning. Think about everybody who's there, not everybody who's not there. 
CDC guidance released in early March said those who have been fully vaccinated can meet without masks indoors in small groups. Oh, good. Oh, well, thank you. All right, there you go. I <clears throat> hope you enjoyed that clip. Um, so basically, uh, they say they're fully vaccinated, right? That was the headline here for Reuters. But uh, but it was only the uh, the 76 year old uh, grandparents that have done it, so they're not fully vaccinated, and that's why someone said, um, "Please re uh, please repeat." Uh, yeah, here we go. This uh, this family is not fully vaccinated. Only the grandparents. They are still putting everyone at risk. At Reuters, correct your statement. This is still a big problem here because everybody needs to have it. So they were not fully vaccinated. So it was fake news, after all, folks. It turns out Reuters released fake news where they say that there was a fully vaccinated Jewish family. Uh, so you can't trust can't trust the Reuters of this world. Um, all right, so I'm going to do a couple more here uh, from who was sending DLive uh, lemons here. Mighty is Whitey sends uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six diamonds. Thank you for that, sir. Appreciate it. No message attached to those. Uh, Sonata for violin with the diamond says uh, simply, Oy vey. Uh, that's right. Right, so check out this. Uh, Adam Green over on No More News linked this up regarding Robert Jeffries. Now he was the he was wasn't he was one of he took part of Trump's uh, Passover ceremony in the White House, I believe. Robert uh, Jeffries is very gung ho. It's one of these uh, Israel first kind of uh, pastors preachers, right? Uh, here he is endorsing the use of aborted stem cells in order to produce. Uh, vaccines. Now, the mRNA, of course, don't have this. There's some vaccines that, that have this, the MRC5. There's different types from different parts of uh, the body of the aborted fetus that they take from, and then they grow those in a lab, and they kind of, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, they harvest them, basically, to, to use them uh, later on in the vaccine. But here he is uh, justifying this. Uh, great stuff here. I don't want to discourage anybody from taking the vaccines because we've got to stop this pandemic. But there is concern among some Catholic bishops and some evangelicals as well that the cell lines that were used to develop certain vaccines, particularly Johnson & Johnson, came from aborted feces. Fe fe uh, aborted feces. Feces. I mean, <clears throat> what am I talking about here? So, okay, so I retracted. I guess the Johnson & Johnson, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm reminded now. Uh, so the guy who had his skin fall off, who had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, th in there are aborted stem cell, aborted fetal stem cells, right? It fe uh, came from aborted babies. Let's just <laughs> say it out loud. So what, yeah. what aborted babies? Poo -poo Let's just doesn't. say it out loud. So what, yeah. what exactly yeah. uh, is your answer to that? I mean, there are people that don't want any... <laughs> aborted feces, that's right. Any connection there with, with abortion and, yeah. and vaccines? Well, look, first of all, we would never abort babies to provide a vaccine. I think Francis Collins. Well, yeah, but that, that, that could be argued, right? I mean, if the utilitarian purpose of, of, uh, of the immediate use of, of the, uh, an aborted fetus was to use it for vaccines, then, then you could argue it does. And furthermore, all the pro-abortion activists and, uh, are being sponsored by like, uh, the medical industry that does experiments on it and use it in all kinds of stuff, right? 
Collins has denied uh, that uh, linkage, and he is a strong Christian himself. But, okay. David, if we're talking about something from babies that were already aborted, I would just remind people the whole Christian message is that Christ, who was innocent, died for us and brought something good out of that unjust death. Mm. And I think if mm. lives can be Makes saved, sense. even from the unrighteous killing of a baby, uh, that there's something to be gained there. So I would not refuse the vaccine on that uh, point alone. Woo! Hang on to your panties, ladies and gentlemen. Holy smokes. <clears throat> Who knew? Who knew? Okay. Um, all right. So we're going to do this. This is the last segment. We're kind of over time a little bit here, but I think this. I think you might enjoy this. Uh, the last thing I want to do uh, tonight and really talk about the, the, the post-human era that we're in. Now, we're going to talk about a guy called Tal Zaks. Uh, I think it's Tal Zaks. Let me pull up the uh, image here real quick. Where are we? Here we are. Yeah, Tal Zaks. Now, he's the, he was born in Haifa, Israel. Uh, educated at the Ben-Gurion University uh, of the Neg- Negev. And he also went to the Hebrew Reali School. Uh, and according to uh, Google here, so who has uh, gleaned the information from salary.com, uh, he made 4.8 million. Is that is that per year or is that so far? I would assume per year. Then I would assume this is a big industry. He is the he is the inventor proponent of the of well. He works for Moderna, right? He's working for Moderna, and he's developed the mRNA. Uh, I can't say vaccine. That's not what it is. It's it's a software update and it, we're going to take a look at a clip where he explains this and how this works it's not based on attenuated viruses right it's not dead viruses mutated viruses there's nothing no active in that sense ingredient in it it's basically it's basically like injecting a little machine in you that's basically what it is it's code technically but it kind of assembles itself and then it churns that out now of course your body is kind of you know built that way or whatever uh, but we're going to back, go back to 2017 when uh, Tal Zaks did a, a presentation of gene editing and how you do that, the methodology. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, I, I think so. I think you'll enjoy this. And then we'll, we'll dive a little deeper in this here. But uh, listen to this here, what it says here. This is a TEDx talk here. Let me just skip forward a little bit here. There we go. So I started my about 30 years ago as a nurse in the pediatric intensive care unit. And I remember this one infant, let's call him Jonathan, who came in really, really ill. Seemed to have a rare genetic defect, but in those days, gene diagnosis was still in its infancy, so we couldn't really figure out what's wrong with him. And in the years since, as I've trained as a physician scientist, we've been living this phenomenal digital and scientific revolution. And I'm here today to tell you that we're actually hacking the software of life and that it's changing the way we think about prevention and treatment of disease. So here's all the biology you need to know in 30 seconds. Our body is made out of organs. Our organs are made out of cells. And in every cell, there's this thing called messenger RNA, or mRNA for short, that transmits the critical information from the DNA, our genes, to the protein, which is really the stuff we're all made out of. This is the critical information that what a cell will actually do. And so we think of it like an operating system. And it's not just in every cell of our body, it's actually in every cell of every organism alive. It's the same thing. 
And so if you could actually change that, which we call the software of life, if you could introduce a line of code or change a line of code, it turns out that has profound implications everything from the flu to cancer. And I'm going to demonstrate that with three short examples. Let's start with the flu. So many of us get a vaccine. Uh, what is a vaccine? It is an injection in our arm where we get bits and pieces of the virus, the proteins, and that teaches our immune system to recognize the virus, and so when we get infected, we're not sick. Now, imagine if instead of giving the protein, we would give the instructions on how to make the protein, how the body can make its own vaccine. That's an mRNA vaccine, and here's what it looks like from the cell. Again, this is back in 2017. We're just working on all these aspects. It was like when the pandemic rolled around. Uh, it's obvious that they had worked on this already, and even explains that in the, in the next interview that we'll talk about too. Like, oh, when China just gave us the genetic code, we jumped on that and we said, let's produce this string of uh, uh, this. Let's produce this code, and then we'll just inject that code in people and see what happens. Uh, it's a we we have we have entered the era, the post-human era, and 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 it's happening right now. You have millions of people that have voluntarily gone to take this experimental treatment, the software update, code update, uh, with seemingly no questions about it. The authorities have said it's okay, and they're totally fine with it, um, which is making them a, a different, <clears throat> in my view, they're making, it's making these people a different species. Now, it might not be radically or it might be so little that it's not noticeable, but you have to understand it's the acceptance of this technology and this methodology as a way to, to fix, as he said, fix something which is broken, right? Your immune system already has capability of dealing with this. That's why it's like a 99.9% .9 survival rate. The death rate is very low on this. For the most part, for most people, they will take that out. Um, and, it's, and, and it seems to me that the side effect of something like this is far worse, and especially because it's experimental. So we don't know, will this be some kind of runaway scenario here? Where, where will it stop producing these, uh, uh, these spiked proteins? Does it die afterward? There's a lot of questions that I have, which I just would kind of wanted to know uh, before we go, go through something like this. Uh, uh, pseudonym one here said with a diamond, he was born in Israel. I, I already don't like him. Uh, Blas Delizo with the diamond says, uh, I'll trust DIY CRISPR before the COVID vaccine. Yeah, I've actually seen some channels. Uh, interesting enough, they were banned from, um, from YouTube that were doing, basically, as far as I understand it, they were doing like a lot of gene editing and like, like what you can do at home with basic technology now. CRISPR is one of them, but the, all this is is right at the cusp now. We're, we're, this is this shit is going to start happening. I'm 100% certain that there's agencies, especially military and things like that, doing investigations on this already. They're experimenting on this probably for decades. They're going to start editing things. They're going to tell you that your body has a def there's a f just it's just a little part of your code here that's faulty. You have a genetic illness. And so we'll, we'll give you a, a customized vaccine that updates this code or gives you the right code and so that you can, you know, uh, live longer or whatever it is, or deal with this illness and stuff like that. And of course, when you're really ill, it would be very hard to understand that, resist something like that, and like you, you can have a fix to it or whatever. But just 
understand and be aware of what we are entering into here. That this is a completely new era of dealing with. It's a new medicine, but it's not even it's not even medicine anymore. These are coders now. This is, it's software, which they've they've learned to decode to decode the human genome. Um, these are are engineers now. This is some uh, coders. Uh, it's I don't know. It's frightening to me. Uh, the implications of this and where this is going to go. Transhumanism is next. All kinds of weird things are going to begin uh, either either happening as a consequence of it or people are going to be willing or able to do things which are going to seem uh, like complete sci-fi, right? So the traditional approach has protein floating around your cells. An mRNA vaccine approach has the cells themselves in your own body making the vaccine. What's more alarming, a stranger prowling the neighborhood or somebody who just broke into your ground floor and tripped the alarm? That's what happens with an mRNA vaccine. You've tripped the alarm wire, and now the cell is dialing 911. It's calling the police at the same time as it's making the protein and saying, that's the bad guy. That's how an mRNA vaccine works. And for the last several we've shown this actually works a whole multitude of animal models. Earlier this year, we published the first actual study in people. And it, it actually works in people. We took a group of volunteers and injected them with a messenger RNA vaccine against a variant of flu, influenza. And all of these volunteers got the immune response we were hoping to see. The side effect profile was pretty benign, what you would see with any normal type vaccine. So, okay, and that's, and that's totally fine in and of itself, right? Oh, people haven't, it's not like people have died or anything like that, because uh, that would be crazy, right? Uh, who would approve such a product where people can die? Um, so there you go. That's the that's the back from 2017. We're not going to look at the rest. He goes through why this is so good and this is coming and everyone should do this. And uh, if there's babies that have an issue, like I guess we can listen to that part here. Just uh, just take out the the you know just change the code. Why replace the whole liver? We we just change the code, right? That's critical for metabolism. And children are born and they lack this one crucial gene. And so, so we'll give it to them. We'll, we're we're going to improve God's design, the God's design, nature's design, whatever your philo philosophy is regarding this. These guys are going to show up and correct it because guess what? They made a mistake. Nature made a mistake. The gods made a mistake. Uh, whoever produced us, God made a mistake. People really to fight infection properly or anytime they have any sort of stress, their body goes into crisis. They have one gene that's gone awry, and it causes a really significant disease. If you look at what happens over time for these children, about one-third of them don't make it to the age of 10. You see here the survival curve, whether the gene is completely lost or whether there's just uh, an aberration in it, the survival is impaired. And here it is. what do we do? Well, there's not much you can do because the missing protein is actually missing inside their cells. So what do we do? Well. Here's what we do. We take out their liver and we transplant the liver from a donor that is healthy and normal into these kids. Think about it. They're missing one critical piece of information. And what we do is transplant an entire organ. Well, it fixes the problem, but what if there's a better way? What if we could fix the missing information? So based on innovations, uh, nanomedicine, a, a new class of invention that nanomedicine. Bob Langer across the river at MIT and Cambridge has, has been inventing, we're now able to package this information in messenger RNA, 
with a goal of giving it as an infusion and then having it go to the liver to replace that missing information. You get that, idea. Is this going to work? work? Well, we know the biology. All right. <clears throat> so trust, uh, trust the science, right? It's the same science that tells us that men can get pregnant, right? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so Tal Zaks, right? Multimillionaire. Uh, we'll look at another thing in a minute here. I saw this one, too. This is funny. Um, show this real quick here. Checkmate soy drinkers. <clears throat> I've decided I'm a transvexite. This means that I identified as having been vaccinated, even though I haven't actually been. Vaccination is a spectrum, and you're a bigot if you don't accept me uh, for who I am. Uh, that's science, right? That's science now? Isn't that, isn't that the, science, the science guys? They're like, you know, you could be, it's a sliding scale. You could be, uh, you could be whatever you want to be. So I might just go the trans-vaxite route, uh, and we'll see what happens. We'll see if they take my, uh, my word for it. Um, here's another interview regarding uh, the, how mRNA software works, and this is a little bit later interview. This is back in December 2020. Our final COVID challenger is Dr. Tal Zaks, chief medical officer at Moderna Therapeutics, the company that is conducting the U.S.'s first phase three clinical trial of a potential COVID-19 vaccine. Hi. Yes, Paul. Good evening, and thanks for having me here. Traditionally, vaccines are made of weakened or attenuated virus or pieces of virus. Yours is not. How does it work? The, what we've done is really leverage the phenomenal advancement in science over the past several years to translate into a completely new way of making a vaccine. And what we do is, as opposed to start with a virus or, as you say, a weakened or inactivated form of it, we actually now have the genetic information of what the virus codes for. And we basically use that information, think of it as the software of drug development, just like in a computer. What we do is we take the information that the virus uses to encode for its various bits and pieces. And we just take that piece of information that encodes for the most critical piece for our body to recognize, for the immune system to see, and we make a vaccine out of that. So that our vaccines, in the end, they have nothing to do with the actual physical virus. In fact, we've never had the virus in our building. And it's why we could get started within two days of the sequence being known. Listen. Because we never needed the actual virus. It's just information. The sequence. <clears throat> in December, the disease... It's just, <clears throat> it's just information. Now, early on in the process, too, I remember we talked about this, and, and uh, we questioned this, how can we trust that China gave us the right code. What if they gave us the code for something else? You know, one of the theories at the time that came out, and maybe this still holds through, uh, true, was that it's exosomes, right? Germ theory, all these things, we've talked about it, right? That this is just a theory at this point. It could be a vital, viruses is what, one of the most abundant uh, organisms, whatever you want to call it, right, uh, around or Every, animal, every living thing has it, and it's one of these ubiquitous things, and maybe you have it for a reason, or your body uh, you know, produces this DNA when it, it you know, cleans itself and all that kind of stuff, all these questions about it, right? So this is a pretty risky thing to just walk into when you just, at so, at so, so, <laughs> so far, uh, germ theory is called that for a reason. It's a, it's a theory. It's not uh, 100% uh, uh, you know, boiled down, but, but they're running on this, running with this, because, of course, the science is settled now. Uh, but what if we find something new out in, in 20, 30 years or 200 years from now or 1,000 years from now where it turns out, oh, shit, there was uh, something different. Look at this uh, uh, thing over here. Uh, it proves that uh, th it's not what they uh, told us that, that it was. That certainly never happened. 
through uh, through life of science. We've never been proven wrong regarding something we previously thought, right? So that's uh, that's that's just unheard of. These struck Wuhan, China. On January 11th, Chinese researchers published the genome of the virus. On January 13th, you made an announcement. That's absolutely right. So on the 13th, we put it into production. We had figured out what the sequence was and we had figured out what the sequence was. So they were ready to go. It was ready to go within days. Isn't that interesting? Moderna, right? Uh, it's the company we, we've primarily talked about. You know, based on the scientific understanding of these viruses, you know, this and its cousin SARS, we knew that you wanted to go after the spike protein. That's the bit that the immune system needs to recognize. So we knew what to hone in on. And so together with the National Institutes of Health, and we've had an ongoing collaboration with them, we were able to put this straight away into production. So that happened on the 13th. On the 14th at midnight, my wife makes me up in cold sweat, says, what if you got the sequence wrong? Did you double check? <laughs> it's... This is a, that this is actually brought up here is just is just nuts. Oh, I just did you double check the code? Oh, well, you know, uh, of course we did. This is uh, you know, this is fine. Uh, we have professionals working on this. And listen, you can always trust China. You can always trust China uh, through the proxy of uh, Israeli uh, medical companies. <laughs> That's totally fine. Uh, what do you what are you worrying about? Anything else would be a basically a conspiracy theory, right? Uh, De Blas Delizo De here with the diamond says, just wait until they outsource the coding to India. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Sonata for violence with the diamond as well. But I think it's crazy that they bring that up. That's that's actually funny. Yeah, what if you got the wrong code? What if you? What if they gave you the wrong? What if it's the right code, but the code is bullshit? And China did it because they want to fuck with our DNA, right? What's wrong? Did you double check? And so, and so what I did was, of course, start emailing frantically. And thankfully, there are people smarter than me in the company that, of course, verified this 10, 10 times till Sunday. Uh, so you outsourced that and you didn't. So you didn't check. You don't know what it is you're looking for. Basically, that's what he's saying. Oh, it's a smart. Trust him. He's authority. He knows what he's doing. Is this? Uh, hey, buddy, is this the right code? Are we talking about the right code? Yeah, because, you know, we're going to inject this into millions of people. Right. So it's better. So it better be the right code. Okay. The numbers check out. It looks fine to me. Don't worry about it. To make sure that that first sequence was actually verified. <clears throat> exactly, Black Phillip. It's a good thing that Moderna can't be sued. A exactly, right? By other labs that were also cloning the virus. And so we had the certainty that indeed we got the sequence right. Oh, they were also cloning the virus. So they had gotten it too. They also had to code based on what China told them. Uh, so obviously it was the right thing. Okay, good. Let's get a little wonkier on the science. It's messenger RNA. Tell me about that. So, um, Every life form as we know it has it is part of what's called the central dogma of biology, which is to say that all of our genetic information is encoded in our genes. That's DNA. And yet every cell makes a different activity, and it's based on the proteins that that cell makes. The cell I have on the skin of my nose or is not the same cell as I have in my eye or a neuron or a muscle cell. So what makes cells different if all of the genes? Well, the part of the gene needs to know to go make protein is a transient bit that's encoded by the message, messenger RNA. And so the central dogma of biology is you start from, from the gene, from the DNA, and then it goes through an intermediary, this messenger RNA. It's a temporary copy. It's in our cells for 24, 48 hours and then gets degraded. But it's enough time to instruct the cell's protein-making machinery to go make a protein. And so our vaccine platform is essentially taking that middle step where you encode the information from the gene 
And we say, hold on, that's our drug or that's our vaccine. And so a messenger RNA vaccine for is essentially a messenger RNA molecule that encodes for that spike protein. We give it with an intramuscular injection and it teaches our body's own cells to go make that SARS spike protein. Our body will never have seen the virus, but our body is now making the protein, that critical po protein that the virus would have made had we been infected as a way to educate the immune system to recognize the virus should we see it again in real life. That's what the immunization is all about. So again, someone else said in chat there, what if it re reacts to something else or another string of code? What if there's similarities code? I mean, they still officially, they have something they call a junk DNA with something like 90% of the DNA. Oh, we don't really know what that does. So, you know, we could, it's called junk DNA. What if it reacts to, or, or there are other combinations of it? And again, my point, when, when will it, when will it stop producing these? Do they degrade over time? What, I just have so many questions. And then you realize, of course, that this, all this is like nano scale as well. It's basically, it's a nano uh, technology of sorts that they're using. They had these, uh, a membrane of, of a specific uh, fa a fatty envelope, they call it which they inject and that managed to therefore kind of penetrate into the cell, uh, into the cell, into the cell membrane. In there, it, you know, starts like a little factory and churning out these spiked proteins and stuff like that. And I just think it's crazy, right? Um, that they are, that we're doing this on such a scale when this is a, a, an experimental new technology and we just decide to, to change people's codes or update their code. It's a, a software update code like this, right? Anyway, so it turns out that this guy is now uh, resigning from Moderna as well. This is news from, uh, what, back in February, I think, end of February. Uh, Tal Zaks, I never imagined that developing a vaccine for the worst pandemic of our times. Uh, he's, uh, he claims here the, that he's achieved what he wanted to do, so it's okay, he can now leave. Moderna's Israeli-born chief medical officer, Dr. Tal Zaks, announced on Thursday that he will be leaving the American drug and vaccine manufacturer, Moderna, in seven months. In an exclusive interview, he describes the company's early days and the changes it has undergone since the start of the crisis up until his decision to resign. When I decided to be an oncologist, I never imagined that I'd be responsible for the development of a vaccine for the worst pandemic of our times, nor what the price of Moderna's stock would be. Five million a year, I would assume he makes, right? When I arrived at the company six years ago, it didn't have a single product in the clinical trial stages. It still didn't, I think, until this mRNA vaccine. It could have been something else, but in terms of mRNA uh, software updates, they, hadn't, they didn't have that. Um, the company on Thursday showcased one of the biggest ups, upsets in the history of the biomedic, biomedic companies, going from zero revenue from products in 2019 to earnings forecasts of $18 billion from the sale of COVID vaccines in 2021. He said, I did what I wanted to do, and it's now time for me to move on to the next thing. I derive enjoyment from innovation. I'm a research and development guy, and what interests me about Moderna from the start was the ability to show that RNA technology works. Becoming wealthy is a bonus, Zacks said. Zacks has started out that the company before it was publicly traded is leaving with roughly... $50 million in his pocket. Can't sue these companies. He's getting $50 million. Other people are dying from this shit. 
gaining most of its uh, most of it from a series of stock opinions he exercised over the past year. Moderna's stock price multiplied eightfold since COVID-19 outbreak and the company's announcement shortly afterward that its mRNA technology would be capable of developing a rapid vaccine. Yesterday, following Moderna's optimistic, optimistic forecast released as part of its annual financial reports, its stock price climbed to 10%, hitting a valuation of $62 billion. Zaxis, along with other senior executives, exercised uh, the opinions they received over the years, uh, the options, rather, they uh, received over the years of developing the technology at one stage, cashing in on a million dar- dollars every week. Oh, this is, it's total philanthropy that they're all involved in this, you know. Uh, they just want to help the world. That's what they're excited about. Um, it's all good, right? So apparently Moderna is now switching to commercial focus. And I don't know if there's something else going on in the background uh, of why he's quitting. Uh, plausible deniability. Is it the wrong guy on the front lines taking credit for this? There's a lot of questions, right? We, we don't know just yet. But they're claiming that Sachs has quit for his next leg of his career uh, after a swift, swift move to commercial focus. As Moderna ramps up its COVID-19 vaccine efforts and has made one of the speediest moves from the hyped-up preclinical biotech uh, to a commercial entity hoping to save the world. Its chief medical officer, Zaltax, is set to leave for uh, for pastures new. Sachs will be leaving the company in late September after six years at the biotech firm. Moderna quietly announced his, uh, Moderna quietly announced his exit near the end of its financial this morning, financials this morning, which focused heavily on boosting manufacturing efforts for its mRNA COVID-19 vaccine, as well as new trials against variants and for use in children. Perfectly fine. Let's edit edit these kids. And I'm not going to go through here, but yeah, Zach leaves a rich man, blah, blah, blah. He's earned tens of millions of dollars and all that stuff, right? So uh, he's not uh, he's not done uh, with, with any of this, right? All right. Um, so yeah, I think we're entering into something really dangerous here. I want to touch upon the nan- nanotech kind of a business here right at the end. Um, I think this is uh, is bad news. I think we're entering onto a track here which we just shouldn't. Uh, It's too soon. It's too much. It's too quick. It's too drastic. But uh, as in everything with human development, um, if we can do it, we do it. And and that's it. And it will never stop, right? There's another one I just came across from uh, yesterday, two days ago. Scientists built an artificial cell that grows and divides like a natural one. In, In a new first for genetic engineering, Scientists have developed a single-celled synthetic organism that grows and divides much like it's like a normal cell, mimicking aspects of the cell division cycle that underlies and generates healthy living cellular healthy living cellular life. Uh, the achievement demonstrated in an engineering unicellular bacterial-like life form called JCV-SYN3A is the result of decades of genomic sequencing and analysis by scientists exploring the roles individual genes play inside living creatures. They're editing everything they're changing everything they're updating everything these things could go on and multiply uh at some point there really isn't i mean these are cells now so they're much larger but at some level when you're talking about nano machines nano technology and and all that kind of stuff uh everything will have everything will change that's a complete game changer uh and i have a couple of stories there that we can look at or a couple of video clips actually uh, let me see this one. Yeah, we can play a little bit of this one. The strange new world of nanoscience. Uh, this is from this is from t- ten years ago now, over ten years ago. Uh, but it had an interesting part right at the end. I have another uh, clip excerpt as well because on some level, 
nanotechnology is what's being used to change things. This is what's going to drastically, probably, I mean, not not talking about the you know AI and deep learning and all this stuff, artificial intelligence, that's another chapter in and of itself. But when you start manipulating matter and things and including our bodies on a, on a nanoscale, um, everything, everything is, everything is changing. Everything will be different at that point. Um, let's listen a little bit to this here. They had an interesting segment at the end here. Using atoms as their building blocks. Some researchers believe that we could construct molecular machines could make anything we wanted. If this happens, it will revolutionize our lives. We know that molecular machines can work because they're in every cell of our bodies. They're working away right now, turning food into energy, fixing damage, keeping you warm and making new cells. You are already a masterpiece of molecular nanotechnology. Mark Welland is Professor of Nanotechnology at the Nanoscience Centre of the University of Cambridge. Imagine a small implant, which you can think of as being equivalent to your mobile phone, that communicates directly with your brain, as the internet does currently with the rest of the world. If I want to think a connection with my son, who's walking in the Himalayas, I can think the connection, and just as your mobile phone does, it would dial up the device inside my son, and I would talk to him, I would see him, I would feel his emotions. We would be infinitely connected to each other and infinitely connected with all the information that's around us. If this all sounds more like science fiction to you, think how quickly our world is already changing. Someone born in 1930 would never have believed that in their lifetime thousands of people would be flying around the world in metal tubes every day. That men could have walked on the moon. And that you would be able to watch this film on something called the Internet. I hope this has given you a taste of a world that's always been around, but that we are only just starting to explore. Many people think that this coming age will be the age of nano. If so, you will be the people to explore it. And what your generation discovers will be perhaps the biggest technological leap in history. It could take you into atoms and beyond the stars. Good luck. And it's always this, the, the promise, right, this is at the end of, uh, I think it's like Cambridge or someone released this one. Um, the Strange New World of Nanoscience with Stephen Fry. Yeah, Stephen Fry. But, um, but yeah, Cambridge University. And it's always this pr the promise of the, you know, the progress of the future. Uh, and it's up to us to fix and edit and change and tweak and stuff like that. And, and to a certain extent, I understand that that's, you know, part of, part of our, our experience and journey of, figuring things out and, and all that stuff. But it also just always feels like it's this line uh, that's being crossed. You know what I mean? Uh, let's take a look at another one. This is also a little older. I'm, it's actually harder and harder to find like new good documentaries on this. You have to go back like 10, 5, 10, even 15 years in some cases to find like the good stuff anymore. Could just also be that YouTube just doesn't, they don't show you anything of this anyway. I'm, search, I'm searching on other platforms too. 
Uh, but there's some good old, you know, classic ones. Uh, more on the nanotechnology uh, to understand the impact of what what they're working on here and where where this is going to go. Uh, that the post-human world will be driven by this stuff. Uh, transhumanism and manipulation of, of everything. Every material, every surface, every everything, right? Um, anyway, check, check out this. I thought this was uh, interesting stuff at the end of this other documentary called uh, Bionics and Transhumanism. One more technology slated to overshadow all other branches of technology. It's nanotechnology, the means of getting control over matter, atom by atom. So what we're going to do is move this atom from this location here to a location right over here. We'll move it just along this path here. Now you gotta get excited about that. You just gotta get excited about that. Scientists are now able to grab one single atom and move it to another place. It's a small step for an atom, but a giant leap for mankind. If we start making things by building them atom by atom, we can make almost anything we want. Manufactured products are made from atoms, and the properties of those products depend on how the atoms are arranged. Now, today's manufacturing technologies arrange atoms very crudely and statistically, but in the future, with nanotechnology, we'll be able to arrange the fundamental building blocks of matter in precisely the patterns we want, very flexibly and very inexpensively. Nanotechnology will open vast opportunities for all other technologies, in particular for computing. When computer connections can be made by single atoms, computer power will increase enormously. Computers incredibly powerful that just would let us put into a single sugar cube a computer that was more powerful than all the computers in the world combined today. But there are many other fields in which nanotechnology will be applied. While at the end of the last millennium, most scientists believed that nanotechnology would remain science fiction, we now see its first applications already appearing on the market. So we now make materials which purify water, which generate electricity, which generate chemical energy. And our long-term research project is to build a, a system that processes information, kind of like an artificial neuron. You're going to start seeing systems and processes like that proliferate within the next 45 years, in which you're going to, you're going to be amazed constantly. This rotating dot here is the first real nano-engine ever made, only a few atoms in size. I took the F1 ATPase and I stuck a little propeller on the top of it and made it spin around from one molecule. Well, now I can take many thousands of these into complex systems like we have in our bodies and make them do more sophisticated things. The ultimate goal is to create robots as small as viruses, called nanobots. These nanobots will be more intelligent than today's computers. One possible set of applications is medical. Nanobots could be injected into the bloodstream as a kind of cleansing team to kill cancer cells, for example, or to carry out other kinds of maintenance work in the body, or even to modify the DNA code. It might what, seem that this is a very expensive Moderna's technology, thing does, right? but in fact, the opposite is true. We will be able to program nanobots to reproduce themselves, just as all natural creatures do. They will then be able to grab material from their environment and use it for making copies of themselves. Well, the basic goal of nanotechnology is to build what's called an assembler. And this is simply a very small device that can make copies of itself. 
and it's a programmable device, so it can be programmed to build a wide range of useful things. Auto assemblers can be seen as a new form of life comparable to viruses or yeast cells. They can reproduce themselves and at the same time transform matter just as yeast cells change sugar into alcohol. The only difference is that these new creatures can be programmed to carry out whatever task we want them to. Change carbon into diamonds, perhaps, or create food. So build your meat. Synthetic meat. Molecular nanotechnology is to physical reality what computer programming is to virtual reality. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration, but gives the idea. Whereas computer programmers can program software to do what they want, molecular nanotechnology will allow us to change matter at the most fundamental level. It will allow us to build just about any kind of structure uh, to our exact specifications by moving individual atoms. This sounds like a world of magic where all that we imagine becomes reality. But the role of the good fairy is taken over by robots so minuscule that we cannot see them. And instead of saying the magic word, we program them to grant all our wishes. The other side of this fairy tale, however, is what is called the Grey Goo Syndrome. Imagine that some nanobots are programmed for a terrorist action, or would simply tilt and start reproducing themselves endlessly. In a rapid chain reaction, the Earth would be reduced within 72 hours into a Grey Goo of swarming nanobots. Most scientists, however, stress that such a scenario is very unlikely. We will have nanotechnology to control nanotechnology. And it will also provide the ultimate escape route. So, uh, Fail-safe, folks. It's, it's fail-safe, don't worry. a certain number of nanobots into our bodies where they will locate our brain cells and copy their functioning. With no effort, we will get a hardware copy of our consciousness that will then send a software copy to a computer where more copies can be made or where our consciousness will be allowed to merge with other souls and software programs. We, <clears throat> we living forever, uploaded to some, some gay server somewhere, uh, being shot off to some new planet. Um... Synth synthetic, that's really the the name of the game here, right? S synthetic copies of everything. Um, that's where that's where we're going uh, with this. Living a shitty life, like like trapped in some weirdo place with like forever. <laughs> it's just I don't know. Uh, I think I'm I'm terrified by all this. I, I'm just no. It's just it's not it's not the way to go. And I think it, it might work short term. It might work. It might be, a, and and those who go into this world, those who do this to themselves and all that stuff, and it's going to be massive. I mean, it's going to be so such upheaval over this technology, and so uh, so much conflict over it too. Uh, that it will be used in 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 warfare. It'll be used in all kinds of scenarios and stuff. And it's going to kind of already happening, right? G, uh, China is like subsidizing. Uh, genome sequencing and the, the majority of people doing that right now is, is uh, people of European descent. That can be used, you know, in bioweapons and all kinds of weird stuff. Anyway, just a couple of more minutes left on this one here, and then we're going to wrap up. Uh, but uh, check out the ending here. Then we will be ready to leave this planet and start the exploration of the universe. Yeah, so is that. The promise of a Star Trek future. What is our place in this magical world where everything can be transformed? How will people deal with such a future? Or is it something that by definition goes beyond our human capacities to understand? Something that only transhumans will be able to grasp? Will we stay as we are and watch with wonder from the sidelines? 
Or will we upload ourselves and participate in the world as super beings? Super beings? Let yourself upload to a network of nanocomputers and let the wind carry you. No thanks. I think that's how that's how that one ends, I think. It's important to recognize that Oh, I'm gonna pause there. Yeah, there's some there's some bad ending on that too. It's basically don't worry but this guy basically says, Don't worry about it. It's we'll build in all these fail safes and we'll still be uh, you know largely who uh, who we were all this time anyway. Uh so it's all fine, don't worry about it. All right, anyway, check that out. Bionics and transhumanism. Uh, I came across it yesterday here, some interesting stuff. Um, check out this one too real quick here, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, Sweden Space uh, Agency, or a Swedish... Uh, it's up in Kiruna, it's called the S-Range. Uh, they do uh, space, uh, you know, uh, rocket launches and things like that. Satellites are being sent up from there, all kinds of stuff. The geo geoengineering experiment that uh, is funded in large part by Bill Gates is going to go ahead uh, with its first testing stage, which is just to send up a, a balloon. It's not the balloon that's the problem, it's what they're going to dump in the atmosphere later. It's basically a solar dimming uh, geoengineering experiment, and it turns out that Sweden's going to be uh, right in the middle of that if, if, if it continues uh, from there. Uh, Harvard, Harvard University scientists plan to fly a test balloon above Sweden next year to help advance research into dimming sunlight to cool the Earth, alarming environmentalists opposed to solar engineering. It's not really solar engineering. That's like just geoengineering, ge Earth engineering, geoengineering. Open air research into spraying tiny sun-reflecting particles into the stratosphere to offset global warming has been stalled for years by controversies, including that it would discourage uh, needed cuts in greenhouse gas emissions. In a small step, the Swedish Space Corporation agreed this week to help Harvard researcher launch a balloon near the Arctic town of Kiruna next June. It could, it would carry a gondola with 600 kilograms of scientific equipment, 20 kilometers high, that's 12 miles. miles. Uh, there are very many real concerns about a risk of climate change and solar engineering, or geoengineering, said David Keith who's involved with the project and is professor of applied physics at Harvard School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Understanding them requires a range of activities, including experiments, said Keith, blah, blah, blah. The unmanned flight had originally been planned for the U.S., but was moved partially of U.S. restrictions caused by coronavirus. So it's just go to Sweden and do it. That's fine. The flight, which requires approval from a Harvard pro uh, Project Advisory Committee, will test how to maneuver the balloon and check communications equipment and other systems. It would not release any particles into the stratosphere. They're waiting with that. They're going to do that later. So, but, uh, don't what do you worry about. It's like, this is just the first step. Still, as I say, if successful, it could be a step towards an experiment, perhaps in the autumn of 2021 or spring 2020, to release a tiny amount of up to two kilograms of non-toxic, oh good, calcium carbonate dust into the atmosphere. Studying the material effects on the high-altitude sunlight could help advance understanding of how solar geoengineering might work going to be more than that. It's going to be two kilos and then 20 kilograms and then 200 and then two tons and then, you know. Opponents see the Swedish balloon as a step a step on a slippery slope towards engineering the climate with an artificial sunshade, something with potentially large and hard-to-predict risks, such as shifts in global rain patterns. They're just, these people are just, they want to fuck with everything for some reason. There's no merit in this test except to enable the next step. You can't test the trigger of a bomb and say this can't possibly do any harm, said Niklas Hellström, director of Sweden's uh, Swedish Green uh, Think Tank. What's next? What next? I agree with him. 
Swedish society is increasingly calling for real, immediate solutions to climate change, he said, such as rapid transformation away from fossil fuels and towards zero-carbon society. He said the Harvard pro uh, project represents the polar opposite, as it could create an impression that continued uh, use of fossil fuels is possible. Okay, so he's against it for that reason. That's gay. Um... Anyway, it says here, so they talk about some other things, but just to tie it into good old Bill Gates here, to officials of the Harvard Project, the stratospheric controlled perturbation per, um, per experiment. Yeah, I think that's it. Perturbation experiment, S-C-O-P-E-X, said they did not believe it needed any special approval from Sweden for, for the flight. They said about 300, miles, uh, 300 similar stratospheric balloons were launched worldwide in 2019. Backers of SCOPEX include Microsoft founder Bill Gates. There you go. We've talked about that for a while, that he plans to dim the sunlight. It's every aspect. Anyway, it goes on from there. You get the idea. This is this is insane. Uh, these people are completely insane, right? So that's where we're at in the post-human world. Everything being manipulated, everything being changed, everything being updated, changing the code, the genetic code, changing the atoms of everything that surrounds us. I just think it's, uh, I just think it's nuttery, to be honest. I think it's, uh, it's insane. And I think it's dangerous, too. Um, okay, boys and girls, we're going to wrap up there. We've gone on uh, for a little bit too long here today, but I appreciate your time. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Uh, always a pleasure having you here. Always an honor having you spending some time with us here as we attempt to educate you on all the manners of insanity that goes on uh, in this uh, anti-white globalist world. Uh, a couple of more diamonds here. I'm going to open the box on DLive2. White is mighty with uh, one, two, three, four diamonds. Thank you. Uh, Den Mother with a diamond says, New Org, Citizen for Greater Idaho. Let's go. Um, new Org, Citizen for Greater... Yeah, we've, we've talked about that, actually. Um, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. The, the, the Greater Idaho Project, Citizens for Greater Idaho. Okay, new organization. I'll check that out. Thank you for the tip. Um, the coin finally dropped. A bit tired here at the end, but I'll check that out. Thank you for the uh, for the tip. Um let me paste that in so I have that for later. Uh, thank you, Den Mother. Appreciate that. Uh, we might talk about that later too. Uh, my Life Matters with the Ninja Guinea says, can't get my Red Eyes, uh, can't get Red Eyes membership uh, website. Wondering if my provider blocked it. Thanks for sharing truth. Uh, no, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, we have uh, an, an issue uh, with the website being inaccessible. We're still investigating. We found out about a couple of hours before we came live here. So as I'm rounding up, I'll continue and we'll come, go back on that. Uh, and try to investigate what it is. It doesn't look like there's some kind of hacking attack, but there could be uh, some potential issue if it's been a, a DDoS attack, which we got notification of back in um, late February, by the way. There was someone trying to attack uh, the website, uh, one of them. Uh, but we are investigating. We'll go right back to that, and we hope to have the websites uh, back up and running as soon as possible. Thank you for your patience on that, by the way. Uh, there shouldn't be some major issue, but if it is, there's always a way around it. There's always a way to fix and to improve and uh, to do things differently and uh, to restore and things like that. But uh, hopefully everything will be good. Uh, but yeah, thank you for your patience, especially to members as well, of course, uh, for that being inaccessible. Since I think, I think early this morning uh, it has been down, but we're uh, seeking uh, to figure out that and have it back up and running as soon as possible. All right, let me open the chest, boys and girls, uh, and we'll uh, wrap up on that. Uh, we'll be back, of course, with uh, Flashback Friday here. And tomorrow I uh, plan to do... Um, the show as well with uh, Faust, this is actual name, Faust from the Netherlands, uh, both about the UK election, uh, but also about uh, the uh, kind of situation with uh, some nationalist uh, groups in, in Europe and stuff like that. 
but uh, yeah, we have about a thousand lemons in the DLive chest, so we'll distribute those, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up for today. We'll just hang on and see who the lucky followers is on DLive. Thank you everyone over on Trovo as well. Uh, appreciate that. I just saw one something pop up on on the screen there. Um, Purist triple seven sends a Leon's Leon's prank, five hundred uh, something. That's some punching. Happy, what does it say? Happy F Fab's Day? F Happy Foos Day. Foos Day? Is that what it says? Uh, anyway, thank you for that, Purus. I just happened to see that there. Uh, I, I should still learn uh, more about Trovo. Uh, I've neglected that, I do admit. Uh, but yeah, thank you to everyone over at Trovo as well. I do appreciate your support over there. Uh, all right, like as follows here on uh, DLive. Uh, Carve Cocky number one, Mr. Ninjaberg number two, Arctic Snow Nibba number three, Black Philip number four, and William Shear. Uh, number five and top uh, contributors for the stream over on DLive today is Silosopher, uh, Dancing Israelis, and Mr. Wright. Shout out to uh, you boys. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. All right. That's it. Thank you uh, so much, guys. Much love. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be here about um, 11 a.m. Pacific time. That's 2 p.m. Uh, Central, uh, sorry, Eastern time. And that's about 8 o'clock Central European time. Uh, that's when we'll be back. Uh, we'll most likely do it live. Uh, with uh, Faust regarding the situation in the Netherlands. And then Flashback Friday on after that. All right, boys and girls, thank you so much for watching today. Uh, really appreciate it. Hope you have a... Uh, actually, that's better. Uh, hope you have a great rest of your evening, wherever you are. We'll see you guys later. Take care. Do you love Red Eyes? Want more? Get access to exclusive material by signing up for a Red Eyes membership. You'll be able to watch Weekend Warrior, our flagship show, the second hour of interviews and other special feature videos only for subscribers. Were you a member and we lost you along the way? Renew! We love and appreciate you guys and gals and cannot do this without you. Help us be a sane voice, a lighthouse in the sea of insanity. As times get tougher, as people are searching for answers, they're going to need content like red ice. A little of all your support can go a long way. Thank you.